is Free Talk Live from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire, celebrating Fork Fest number seven. What the fork is going on? The seventh annual Fork Fest. And what the first year it was actually called Somalia Fest. Oh, right. And it happened, it was created as a response to Ian Freeman being banned. Some people, you know, obviously did not approve of that, so they forked off and made their own festival. And that's how Fork Fest came into existence, and it has since evolved and grown into its own thing. And when I say it's grown into its own thing, I mean it, because Fork Fest is decentralized. It is. No one is in charge, so no one's planning anything. Except, I mean, okay. We say that, right? But realistically... I'm planning a thing. Yes, but no one's planning Fork Fest. Right, yes. Sort of, right? But we did... We're the ones who picked the dates, right? So, I mean, we say no one is in charge, and that's true, but... And people can pick their own dates for Fork Fest. It's all very confusing, and this is the decentralized nature of things. But Fork Fest is going on right now from June the 15th through June the 18th. And if you're listening to this, it's still happening. There's one day left because I'm pretty sure this episode is going to go on Saturday. Yes. Because that way Ian can come up here to go to the wedding. Now, if we nail out two full shows today, then we'll also give them one for tonight. But I think I'm probably just going to call in to Free Talk Live tonight to give them an update on how things are going. Because yes, the eyewitness report. Yeah. Nice. I do it every year. And well, not every year, every year that Ian's not here, because usually he's here and we don't need someone to call in because there's no one there to talk to. Sure. But people have begun rolling in and there is a dome being built down there at the bottom of the hill. I'm looking forward to checking that out. We didn't have a dome last year, if I remember correctly. We usually have a dome. It's the pirate spaceship one year. The Big Gay Disco was another yeah. one. It was originally the Big Gay Dance Party. Right, right. And then the person who ran that, I don't remember his name, stopped coming. But on that subject, that's what I want to talk about, because there was a drag show there a number of years ago, and it happened, and everything went just fine. Right. No one's kids got molested. No one got attacked. (laughs) Everything was just fine because drag queens, believe it or not, are just like normal damn people, only they like putting on a show. They're performers in the same way that Dee Snyder, who I go to as the obvious person who does makeup and puts on this big theatrical performance, by the way, screw Dee Snyder. But (laughs) yeah, I was going to say along those lines. Um, if anybody out there listening who's upset with the drag queen story hour thing, you know, particularly here regarding Fork Fest and Pork Fest, uh, and you listened to any sort of 1980s glam rock slash uh, heavy metal, I, I'm reluctant to call it heavy metal, but uh, you participated vicariously in a drag queen show because all of them dudes were wearing buku hairspray makeup fishnet stockings i mean all of the things right if you listen to bon jovi if you listen to cinderella if you listen to winger you know those dudes those dudes had more uh what i want to call makeup hairspray all these accessories than your girlfriend did Yep, absolutely. And for those who haven't been following this, I don't know how you missed out on it. It's been rather a controversy. There is some issues going on with the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year and drag shows because Maj, who has been invited to speak, who is a paid speaker. Most of the speakers here aren't paid. How does he get paid and other people don't? Someone privately gathered up the money and a, a realty company gathered up the money in order to pay his okay. appearance fee. But like, look. Free market. Okay, that's fine. Well, sort of. I mean... 
in general, yes. They're but, free to spend their money to pay sure. whomever, I guess. But know? it's a libertarian festival, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you have a libertarian, you can put a microphone in front of them, <laughs> and they'll start talking. <laughs> Like, a few years ago, there was this poor college girl, super cute, who came here to do an interview. She had five questions that she was tasked by her university professor to ask libertarians here. And the poor girl would... She it's, she would spend an hour with a single libertarian because there were questions about the economy or what they think right. about the government or whatever. And libertarians can just go endlessly oh, long-winded on those for topics. Sure, yes. And so she would... She, probably planning to interview like you know 15 to 20 people instead she got through maybe two four four maybe oh, four or five okay. that's admirable and of course we had her on free talk live and it was a lot of fun and she was supposed to contact me and let let us see the final study or whatever it was she was doing but yeah. she never did that i'm not terribly surprised so anyway maj is coming and he threatened to roll up on that was the terminology he used any, roll up on you any drag queen story hour taking place in, quote, his community. And Bonnie then said, Bonnie of, of Free Talk Live, obviously, yep. then said, well, you better not. No, she did not say you better not. She said, well, you might not want to come to the Porcupine Freedom Festival then because we're going to have tons of drag shows, which obviously isn't the case. <laughs> right. It, Tons of drag shows. Yeah, right? there might be one. Maybe, and I'm I'm trying very hard to get this one because there's it, it's an ongoing long story. There have been developments, and so they got into it on Twitter, and Dennis Pratt got involved because I mean Maj is literally threatening violence, and then he admitted his statement to say, "Oh, by the way, if I'm at Porkfest, then that's my community. Make of that what you will." Right, and that's. Clearly, in relation to his other thing, because someone raised the com- the point of, well, Porkfest isn't your community, so it so it's fine. He was like, no, if I'm there, it's my community. Sure. No, dude, this is my community. Like, we're libertarians here. It's not your community just because you graced us with your aggressive yeah. presence. It's a community, right? Belonging to well, everyone who participates. If anyone between me and Maj, if one of us has the right to say my community, it's me. It's me, bruh. Chill. So he's still coming, and that's we tried to get him on the show to defend himself. He refused to do it, and he may which is sad. I mean, like you know. Anyway, go ahead. He may come and talk to us while here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, but I don't have high hopes for it. Yeah. Right? I mean, he doesn't seem to want to talk to us. But like, like this is a particular issue for me, being a a trans woman. Right? Like, I'm not a drag queen. There's a difference right. between a drag queen and a trans person, but. Realistically, at the end of the day, it's just someone born as a male presenting as a woman. Right. Whether they're putting putting on the performance that drag queens are doing or not. So the difference between a trans woman and a drag queen is a, a drag queen is performing, uh, giving a show, a, right. an experience. It's where a, a theatrical person, performance. Right, whereas a trans person is just living. But contextually, there's realistically no difference between the two. Yeah. And... That, to me, is seems like a threat against me. I didn't take it that way, obviously. I haven't even interacted with Maj because I don't care that much. But anyway, so I'm not going to let Bonnie's threat go as a bluff, right? 
because I like the way Mark said it last night or the night before last, if you're listening on, well, you're obviously not here, so the night before last, he said, if someone threatens violence and you don't stand up for your rights, then you don't have rights. Right, yeah. Then, then it's just a privilege, a temporary privilege. Right. If someone can intimidate you into not doing something that you have the right to do and that isn't hurting anyone, then you have surrendered your right to do that thing. And I'm not going to do that. I want to say it's that noble cause, right? And, and maybe it is to an extent. But really, I'm just, I'm a troll at heart. And this is what? an opportunity to troll, no. right? And well, when we talked to Dennis Pratt about this, he, he wrote it off as like just trolling. He's like, Aria, don't give me that. You're, you're just trolling, Maj. I'm like, well, time out, dude. Because some of my most effective activism was trolling, yes. right? I was trolling when I ran for sheriff and made international news. Fantastic uh, campaign, by the way. Right. Running, uh, is F, the, F the police was the slogan for that campaign. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, and it was trolling from beginning to end. And the, just because something is trolling doesn't mean it's necessarily bad or ineffective or whatever he was alleging based on the fact that it was trolling. So anyway, yes, I will continue to be trolling. I decided, fine, we're going to have a drag queen story hour. Bonnie can't be here, but fine. I mean, it's got to happen at this point, right? He threatened violence. He said there would be violence. Right. So I'm going to call his bluff, and there will be a drag queen story hour here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival next Thursday at 3 o'clock p.m. at the at the Free Talk Live site. That's RV46. I call it a drag queen story hour. However, I'm not a drag queen. Recently in Lancaster, like within the last few weeks, they were putting on a drag show. Okay. At the public library, and it was two drag queens, uh, Katniss Everqueer and Emoji <laughs> Nightmare, right? Drag names. That's about what you would expect. Yeah. One of these, it turns out, is a cis woman, as I understand it. But the, the, these are hard left people, right? Uh, okay. One of them, I don't know which one. Ian watched the video. I have not. They did a video about uh, fat pride, essentially. Like the, the, fat the, pride? Yeah. These are That's hard okay. left people, and they are both on the bigger side. And but these are hard leftists, right? Okay. So I assumed they they you know when I emailed them, they Googled me, or they already knew about me and were like, "No, we don't want no, yeah. no, you're you're too controversial." Because I get that a lot, and I think that would be ironic if they refused to. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. So that event was back going up, to back be up, backpedal yeah. rewind. It was going to be at the Lancaster Public Library here, but conservatives got really, really, really upset about the possibility that Jim Bob might take his kids to go see this thing. And God forbid Jim no. Bob, as a parent, have the right to decide what is best for his children. Yeah. That's, that's the hurdle that they seem unable to jump. Is it? If for, for a child to be at a drag queen story hour, the parents of that child must have decided to take that child to that drag queen story hour. Yeah. Unless the child is in walking distance, maybe? The, the possibility of a child yeah. being there without their parents' explicit permission is extremely low. Yeah, uh, rare even. Like, I mean, yeah. how does that really happen, like, ever? Has it happened ever that, like, a child has been to one of these without their parental consent? I sincerely doubt it. But obviously, uh, most parents aren't going to have any issue with this. And there's lots of good reasons for this. Mark asked the question, well, why does someone want to do a drag story hour? Well, Mark, we think it's important. I think it's important to expose children to different ways of life that they may otherwise not know about, right? Yeah, I certainly, I mean, I don't have kids, but I certainly uh, 
do not believe that you should shield your children from reality because all that happens, and I'm just speaking from experience as a child who's, uh, I've had several different sets of parents, but many of them uh, were of the shielding variety. They wanted to protect me from all the bad things in the world. And so then when I finally struck out on my own, uh, I was shocked by reality. And it wasn't anything like they had described. And so I had to like reform all of my, my thoughts and my patterns and my habits around this new reality when they could have saved me a whole bunch of time by just not shielding me from reality in the first place and explaining things truthfully as I grew. I'm, I'm a firm advocate, though, that, that you know children should be exposed to things that broaden their minds. It would be totally fine to have a a black person story hour or a Chinese American story hour or whatever, like especially here in New Hampshire where they're not ordinarily going to encounter a lot of black people or Asians or whatever. It's important for them to go, Hey, this is normal. It's okay. And you treat them just like you treat every other human being. Right. And they don't wish you any harm. Just like every other human being doesn't really wish you harm. And that that's an important thing. Plus one of these kids may be gay. They may ultimately decide they want to be a drag queen, which is unrelated to being gay, or they may be genderqueer, or they may be trans, or whatever. And this is the part that makes conservatives really unhappy. They think it's going to make these kids gay or trans or whatever, when no, it's just going to let them know that if they are those things, it's okay. Look, if you could be made straight or cisgender, I wouldn't be here right now as I am, because I'm from the Bible Belt, the deep south, Mississippi, right? They, my grandmother and father sent me to countless gay, not countless, but they sent me to a gay the way, pray the gay away camp. Oh, no. Are you serious? Yeah. You went to one of those? Yeah, they oh, did the Jesus full Christ. thing, right? I mean, this is the Bible Belt. You're not, they found women's clothes in my room and they were not having it at all. So, you know, I dealt with all that. They did everything they could to make me a normal straight dude, right? Yeah. And it, if it was possible to affect someone in that way, it would have affected me. But instead, what you find at these Pray the Gay Away camps is that people kill themselves. Yes. And, or they, or they revert back to actually being gay or trans or whatever. So you're not going to turn any of these kids into being gay or trans or whatever. You're just going to let them know that if you are these things, people will accept you. And if you look at it from the reverse perspective, how do straight people become straight? Do they attend straight classes do they go do they put on you know straight seminars is there straight story hour is well, there right there because kind of is. because is there there, there is it's i mean just, not it's not very overtly, subtle right but like you no, know it's pretty I can't overt. sign up i can't sign up at the library for straight kids story hour right so like straight- you kind of can though and that, that's what i'm trying to say like the it's called cis heteronormativity and it it permeates all of american society and you see this with like well i mean i'm talking globally even well, right? yeah, this globally as well, straight, but especially in America. Straight America's sexual place orientation doesn't happen because of culture. Right, it happens because of nature. Yes, but it does permeate the culture. Yes, like absolutely, it does. Yeah, absolutely. And it does. the best but, example but is I, like a child, you know, a four-year-old being told, "Oh, he's such a little ladies' man," or whatever. That's, that's his hetero. That's cis heteronormativity. Right, but the the reaction from the conservatives is just one of the belief that uh, your straightness can be taken away somehow right. instead like my belief is that uh, if you identify as not straight uh, likely you're born that way right that I, I don't have evidence to say that but that's my belief 
is that that's how that occurs. I, I've had way too many friends who are not straight. I've known way too many people who are not straight that have told me, look, look, dude, I was born this way. This is just how I feel. And it wasn't until I did some self-discovery that I was like, oh, my gosh, it's okay for me to be this way. Right. People don't. You, you don't choose what you're attracted to. It's really that simple. I don't know why these people think, if you, you like redheads, okay, well, you right. didn't choose to be attracted yeah. to redheads or brunettes We've or blondes. We've done stories on Free Talk Live about a dude who is sexually attracted to his vehicles. Yep, or an and, ashtray and, was what we did. Yeah, you know, and that kind of a thing. So, like, there are uh, far more different varieties of sexual attraction than human beings even want to admit right now. Yep. And it's all, sexuality is a complicated thing, right? And... It's not about exposing children to sexual material. That doesn't happen at any of these drag queen story hours. It's it's just normalizing cross-dressing and drag queens to children, which to me is totally fine. These things should be normal because imagine the effect it's having on your kid. Your your kid's secretly gay. They haven't come out to you and you don't know. And they see you ranting all the time about these evil drag queens. You're, you're permanently destroying your relationship with your child by doing this. Your kid may be gay, right? And imagine all of these hateful things, or maybe a drag queen, or maybe a crossdresser, or maybe trans, and they've seen you through most of their life say these horrific, evil, hateful things about people who aren't, who are not harming anyone. So conservatives got really upset about this drag queen event that was happening in Lancaster, this drag queen story hour, and they began threatening violence. You know, as conservatives like Maj tend to do when uh, something so? happens. Like, like what kind? What kind of violence? I don't know. I didn't see the. I didn't see the reports. I just know that the library canceled the event. They were like, "Look, this is." Oh. They, they did get some security that was going to work it. But eventually, even that wasn't enough, and the library was like, look, we're pulling the plug on this. So the library said, we've received some threats, and we're canceling the thing? Well, we don't know who received the threats. I just know that it was the library that canceled the event. Okay. The, the two right. drag queens, to their credit, and White Mountain's Pride, to their credit, they wanted to continue the show. They wanted to keep doing it. And so I was like, man, that's awesome. I think you should have kept doing it, too. So I have an event happening on June the 22nd, I think. I think it's the 22nd. What day is it? It's Thursday. Okay. And when I, because Windows 11 sucks, when I click the actual date icon, it obviously doesn't open a calendar like it used to. Like it's not it should. today, though. It's next Thursday. Right. Uh, uh, well, today's Friday. Uh, t- sorry. Yeah. But it, June, June the 22nd at 3 p.m., though, is when I was hoping to have my tranny story hour. And here's two drag queens who just had an event canceled here in Lancaster. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, Come do your thing at my thing. We can merge the two things and have one really awesome you thing. You extended the invite. Yeah. There's going to be 3,000 people here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, especially by Thursday. Yeah. You could get a really huge crowd. And, you know, I warned them. I was like, some of these people are conservatives, and the reason I'm doing this is because I want to push back against those conservatives. I want to make the bigots uncomfortable again. I want to make them feel unwelcome. Yeah. Just like they're trying to make trans people feel unwelcome throughout society. To that end, I have two flags arriving tomorrow. One is a Satanist flag and one is an LGBT pride flag <laughs> that I'm going to have hanging here at the site. I wish I had just brought my own, but I didn't think about it until yesterday. Yeah. And I was like, all right, fine. I, I, you know, there, $6 is a flag on Amazon. So I was like, ship it up. Yeah. Right. So I invited the I invited these two drag queens out to Porcupine Freedom Festival. I, you know, I probably I would have had to buy them day passes. I'm assuming to get them here sure. in the side, but it would have been fine. But they didn't get back to me. 
And time kept going, and they didn't get back to me, and they didn't get back to me. And White Mountains Pride didn't get back to me. I emailed White Mountains Pride. I contacted both of them, both of the drag queens through Instagram. Bonnie emailed White Mountains Pride, and I suspect she also contacted them I, through Instagram. I have to ask, did, did you call... I didn't have a way to get in touch with them. They don't have a phone number on their website? Or oh, anything no. White like Mountains Pride. It's just a Gmail account. Oh, okay. That's pretty all right. much all it is. And I, w- I didn't even know who these people were, right? I just knew that there was an event that had been canceled in Lancaster. And it wasn't until some conservative who was really upset, and he did an expose on these evil drag queens, and he happened to release their identities, their drag story names, yeah. their drag names, in this little thing. It was all, it was all FUD and lies that he was... You know, creating to spin about these two drag queens, but that was how I found out that it was Katniss Everqueer and Emotion Nightmares because he was the one in his irate anger about these two evil drag queens. He gave me their contact information, so <laughs> thanks, thanks, conservative. So I contacted them, Bonnie contacted them, and yesterday one of them finally got back to me. I, I want to say it was Emoji Nightmare, but I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. But she reports, or he, I don't, I don't know what you call a drag queen. They report that they will not be able to attend the event because they have another event on that same day uh, at that same time. Yeah. I, uh, I, I tend to believe people are honest and telling the truth, but the delays that it involved with them getting back to me and like they're, they, they have, probably had a meeting. They have large Instagram presences, right? They saw my messages, yeah. and I sus- and they saw the White Mountains Pride emails from both me and Bonnie, and probably a few other people. And they, I would understand if they're like, "No, look, we just we just don't want to do it." Plus, I said, "You can read whatever you want, but it would make this a lot easier if you read one of the Tuttle Twins books that I will provide." Yeah, right. You don't. I'm not going to say you have to read that, right? But it would make this a lot. It would. Make that pill Good a lot books, easier. By the way, to the Tuttle Twins are seriously like if you got kids and you're freedom oriented, the Tuttle Twins is where it's at. Yeah, I've got like six books that I'm going to be giving away now after the tranny story hour. Okay. So anyway, the drag queen, one of them turned me down, and the other one still hasn't responded. So I, I'm assuming it's going to be a no from both of them. So drag queen story hour at the Porcupine Freedom Festival not going to happen. However. Tranny Story Hour is still going to happen, and that is June the 22nd at 3 p.m. So come down for that. It's going to be here at the FTL site. It's going to be a lot of fun. I know at least of a few children who are going to come down to it, and it is, it's, it's going to be a good time. I'm just going to read Tuttle Twins to them, right? Yeah. And that's all it's going to be. It's not going to be anything weirder than that. Party on, Wayne. But we are here at Forkfest, and we're coming up. We're going to talk about other awesome things that are happening here. And we are here all the way through the Porcupine Freedom Festival. So come hang out with us. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. 
Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Here we are at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. June the 15th through June the 18th, you can come and hang out with us. It's beautiful. It's supposed to rain all damn week, apparently, but you can't tell right now. It's the, sunny and nice right now. Yeah, the, I don't know. It's the, the sky is gray with a thin layer of clouds it in is. parts, but it's, it's a beautiful day. It's, it's idyllic weather. A lot of the times at Fork Fest, the weather is not what you would like. Sometimes it's too hot. Sometimes it's too cold. Like I remember one year it dropped down to like 30-something degrees one night because yeah. we are at the mount- in the mountains yeah. of New Hampshire. It gets pretty cold up here at night. Yeah, it's weird. Shorts, t-shirts, and flip-flops during the day, and then hoodies and hats and you know yep. flannels at night. However... Today, it's like 73 degrees. It's absolutely it's perfect weather. And I can't help but notice how green the campground is. It's right? very green this it, year. Is it just me or is everything, the grass is a lot brighter than yeah. it normally is? Like I saw the picture I took of the Free Talk Live site, obviously. And I, I'm just shocked when I look at it at how vibrant and luscious the, well, the grass is. I- including the rain that's still to come, it has rained quite a bit that's as true. far as summer is concerned. Like spring has just sort of carried over into summer. We've had thunderstorms that, you know, are not that common. Uh, they they do happen at least annually here, but yeah, I uh, miss thunderstorms, man. That was one of the best things about living in Mississippi. <laughs> when I moved here from Seattle, I forgot that thunderstorms were a thing, and then the first spring, I heard the. Th- I'm like, oh yeah, thunder boomers, man. I forgot about those. I was excited. And of course, tomorrow, I, man, I'm so scattered, right? Like, I was supposed to bring some wireless microphones and a, an address, and because tomorrow, of course, is Nikki's wedding. Nikki and Matt of the show, who you may know from, you know, Rogers Campground or from Great the show people, Free Talk Live. Yep, they are getting married tomorrow, and and I'm performing the ceremony, and I've never performed. A wedding ceremony. So this is this is a new experience for me as the high priestess of the Reformed Satanic Church. Not very many of the things we've done were like monogamous, yeah. right? Big, big on orgies and that sort of thing. Not so much the monogamy. Yeah. So we never done this particular ritual, but you know I'm excited for it. and I'm looking forward to it. And well, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm ordained technically by the Church of Spiritual Humanism. Uh, that's where the reverend part of Reverend Captain Kickass comes from. I've been asked repeatedly to be you know, sort of the reverend at people's weddings, and I turn them down all the time uh, because I just don't like the whole state-sponsored marriage thing, right? And and none of these people have been sort of you know types where they're like, well, we're going to get married, but we're not involving the state. Whereas this is that case, I believe, uh, Matt and Nikki. And no, they're involving the state. Are they? Yeah, uh, but I mean that's fine. I mean it's it's necessary for legal reasons, like. What it's legal just, reason? Like, like to put each other on each other's health insurance and you do that without that? to visit hospital? You can't. Yeah, you can. I, I've been married. I, the reason we got married was to get on each other's health insurance. Yeah, but the, what year? Because the they, they've done company. things now where you could just declare somebody your whatever. There's a, a term for it. A life partner. There's or, also tax breaks. Uh, something or like that. Something like that. There there are lots of legal reasons, and it's never happened. But if you're a, if your you know partner is in the hospital. 
I've never heard of them asking for a marriage certificate, but you could provide the marriage certificate in order right, to get married. So I like there's no legal reason to get married. It's simply wrong. But but like there's ways that you can still get that same effect without the actual state marriage license. It still involves the state, of course, where you can declare somebody your uh, your legal representative uh, in right. certain ways, and then you can have you know jurisdiction over their life just as you would as if you had the marriage license. Right, but if you have to involve the state anyway, then why go through all those extra hoops instead of just getting a license? Uh, but the the people who have approached me have all uh, wanted to involve the state licensing, in the, and so I'm like, no. Besides, like, I would much rather go to the reception than the wedding, right? I sure. don't. I'm not big on the ceremony stuff, and particularly if it's like a religious wedding. You know, where they, they've got all the God stuff going on. It's like, I don't care what you do. I'm not going to judge you for you doing that, but I don't want to be involved in that particular aspect, right? If you guys want to declare your undying love to each other for the rest of your lives in front of a whole bunch of people, great, do it. Uh, just invite me to the party. Right. Well, I, I don't have any objection to it. And if people want to involve the state, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll do the paperwork. Like, I think Nikki forgot the marriage license, but I think Matt brought it. Like, I've got to fill it out and take it. License. Like, you need to ask government permission to get married. It's more like a notification than an actual license because they, they don't. The, Mississippi had some grounds for refusing to do it, but it was actually it, you. Ha, if they just made sure you weren't like first cousins, yeah. like that was the actual reason they did it. But it it is mostly a rubber stamp. But it's completely insane. I'm not a fan of I involving that, the state like, marriage in relationships. Thing was was originally had something to do with like. Uh, so that slaves couldn't get married. It did. Yeah. It is it, to prevent interracial marriage. And you know, going even further back, it was about preventing the contamination of royal bloodlines and nobility and things yeah. like that. So marriage from beginning to end, it's always been a sham, right? Not a fan of it, but... Yeah, that's what the point I was getting at is like even during the whole uh, when, when gay marriage was a big topic in the political spheres, uh, I was always against it, not because I'm against gays getting married, but because I'm against the legal institution having anything to do with your personal relationships. So that is to say that I think everybody should be equal, straight, gay, whatever. Yeah, I get it. Right? Like, no one should have to... But that's not the way the law to... sees it, and there are advantages right. in the legal system to getting married that I can't blame anyone for wanting to take advantage of. It's just like, I, I, I don't support getting welfare right but i also can't fault anyone for getting snap benefits or whatever it's like i i would prefer that institution not be there but it's there and it's going to affect them so i I don't necessarily see any problem with them taking advantage of it so it it does come down to to preference for me like if if there's somebody out there that wants to do a non-state sponsored wedding uh you know and and maybe wants reverend captain kickass to officiate i i don't know maybe i'd do it you know, it's but that's what Ian and Bonnie that I, did. That I usually turn down. And Mark officiated it. I, right. I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's going to be fun. I did forget my dress, and that's going to complicate things. I mean, I've got I've got clothes I can wear, but I I tend to dress not. Perf- I I tend to wear pretty revealing clothing. Oh, I was going to say that's not appropriate the, for a wedding. As the high priestess of the Reformed Satanic Church, shouldn't you have like some sort of a a hooded cloak? Or something. Well, I, I I did not a cloak, but uh, you know what the, I'm saying. The dress I was going to wear was one of those pentagram dresses, where like the straps of it form a pentagram across your chest. It's oh, really yeah, it's yeah. really cute, right? I wore it to the to the to James Babb's party like two or three years ago, three years ago, yeah. when the Reformed Satanic Church helped sponsor his party. Okay, like three years ago, and that's one of the things I want to talk about because 
like the way Forkfest is for me now, or the way things in general for me now are are drastically different from what they were three years ago. Like t- today at Forkfest, the show ends, things wrap up, I go to get something, and then, then I retire to my hotel room, and I just sort of languish there all night. And I don't, like, and that wasn't the case three years ago. I would have been out here hanging out with people and doing stuff, and something changed but it's not just fork fest right it's easy it's easy to say well no you just don't want to be a fork fest but no that's not the case in february i went to vegas yeah and the the same lethargy afflicted me there like there's something really wrong with you if you can go to vegas and not be like not have fun really well, gee, could it have anything to do with the uh, impending doom of the state hanging over your head perhaps i i think it does and and i don't know to what extent is ptsd from the rain I mean, as i'm not well. trying to psychoanalyze but it seems to me well, like, it's almost certainly related right yeah because three years ago ian was here and you know we 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 had a blast i i sponsored parties the reform right. satanic church was here we fud played here i i was active out and doing stuff right and now i'm just not and someone made a joke recently. Um, Mark called me a libertine last night. And what's a libertine? Uh, it's it's someone who it's a hedonist essentially. Oh. And you know, yeah, sure, I'm a hedonist. Okay. But he used the example of uh, he said something like a hedonist is someone who is sexually really sexually active and they do a lot of drugs or whatever. But like, I haven't called myself a slut in a really long time. I used to call myself a slut all the time yeah. because because I was a slut, right? That's fine. I'm not slut shaming. I just was. But I, I've had sex for like five times in the last two years. It's just, I'm not interested in it. Like I could get sex if I wanted it, and yeah. I can get sex whenever I decide I want to you know, have it. But the interest in it is just, it's just not there in the same way that it's, it's not there to, to go to parties and socialize. Like, there's something is, is wrong Aria, with me. Is Arya growing up, maybe? No, it's not that. No? no? You're like, no, I'll never grow up. No, it's that, that there's something wrong with me, right? There's nothing ungrown up about not having fun or about having fun in Vegas or whatever. Plenty of adults do that. Yeah. It's just like something was broken within me after three years ago and before two years ago. When did you first determine that something was wrong? When did it occur to you? Like you might have felt something and then you're like, you know, I think something's wrong. When, was it was it- at Louder Than Life in 2021, which would have been, I think, September of 2021. So about six months after the raid. I was mm-hmm. like, man, so, something is wrong here because I had a few opportunities to do some stuff that would, would, would have been a lot of fun. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm not interested. Yeah. Thank you. And it was at, the, at that point that I was like, I would never have turned that down under normal circumstances. So what's going on? And it's just continued playing out since then in more and more ways that I've noticed that something changed in me in a negative way that I don't like, right? Mm-hmm. And that I would love to fix, but I don't know. I, I began seeing a therapist in December, but that's been axed now because you know, I'm going to prison in right, 10 yeah. days. So, Although they might have somebody you can see. Probably not very good, though. Mm-hmm. And the therapist that I have, she's really, really good. I want to keep using her, but I'm going to be in prison. So yeah. I, ideally, when I get out of prison, I will be able to get back into that. But I don't, I don't know if that's going to fix the issue. I don't know if it's, if it's permanent, what was done to me. And, and I hate that because it makes me sound like I'm, like I'm a passive person who can't control it or whatever. But I've never experienced anything like this before, hmm. right? I've struggled with depression, anxiety, and crap like that my whole life. And the solution was to do some shrooms every once in a while, <laughs> right, and it, yeah. it would go away, and I would be fine and not have to deal with depression. But like this, 
isn't treatable like that was. There's something much deeper here that I I want to say is most likely PTSD. Like just just something damaged me on the day of the raid. And it, oh, you think? And I it mean, hasn't like, recovered. Yeah, that is that is a trauma event for everybody involved in the raid, and even some people who weren't, like some people who live vicariously through the events of the Crypto Six, who are they feel depressed because this happened, right? Because it is an attack on freedom. It's an attack on freedom of speech. It's an attack on the radio show. It's an attack on the listeners. Not just an attack on on y'all. And yes, first and foremost, it was an attack on y'all. Right. And that, you know, that's sort of the, the beginning of it. But like other people, that that effect trickles down. Right. Because of just the exposure that we have of doing a radio show. Yeah. So it's it's something I'm aware that I'm aware of and that I would like to fix. And like when I do go out and do things, I do have fun. It's not like I'm not having fun or yeah. something. It's just that I want to go be lethargic. I want to go withdraw into myself. And I don't know why. But I, So that's. It's a weird thing. I've said this before. I, as just a person, and I'm 51 now, I've, I've adjusted my, my life to certain you know, ways of being. I require a significant amount of alone time just to exist in sure. the world today. And sometimes it's difficult to explain that to people. You know, uh, people want to come over, people want me to go out, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, I just, you know, I need some me time. I just need to chill and be with my own thoughts, be doing my own stuff. Right. You know, uh, sometimes I find uh, just doing nothing with no sense. Some people refer to it as meditation, like I'm doing some form of meditation, which I probably am. I just didn't know that that's what it was called. I don't but know like, if I would call it that. I think meditation is a directed, conscious, deliberate thing. But I'll sit like in a room with you know no music or sound on, and I'll just sit there and think for okay, that's an hour or something, yeah. right? And somebody's like, well, you're meditating, dude. And yeah, that's like, meditating. Oh, but, okay. I just didn't know that that's, you know, there was yeah. a clinical name for this thing. But, like, to me, that, that allows me to sort of center myself and, like, you know, realign my priorities, figure out what it is. I like to do things on purpose, and I get scattered just as a person. I got 17, 18 projects that are all, you know, less than 2% started that I want to get back to, but I never do. And so uh, I need this sort of alone time to recalibrate and prioritize the things that are important so I can get something done. Right. Because I'm a little bit of a scatterbrain when it comes to things that I want to accomplish. Well, I've always needed alone time as well. And I mean, that's a valuable thing. I, I have my cats for that. They sort of recharge my sh- social batteries because I can just like chill and pet my cats and it's just me and them and it's great. But it's something, it's something more fundamental going hmm. on with me than just needing alone time. I still get alone time and, you know, I've always gotten alone time and that hasn't changed and the need for that hasn't changed. But it, it's, it's very curious. And I've always been an introvert anyway. So yeah. I'm probably the only one who really notices the difference, at least to the degree that, at least to this degree, because I've always been an introvert and, Generally, I get like adopted by extroverts who are like, hey, Aria, and they drag me out into sure, things. And, yeah. you know, I'm unwilling to go, but I go and then I have fun and, you know, I stop being introverted. And you know how that goes. It's, it's a classic introvert sort of thing, right? And when I first came to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, it was Will Coley of Muslims for Liberty called a Freedom who was, quote, the extrovert who adopted me and dragged me to things. And yeah. of course, he had a family, so he wasn't into like a lot of the things that happened at the Pokemon Freedom Festival. So that was an interesting experience. And then after that, it was sort of, I, I guess Ian adopted me as his pet introvert at that point. And that, that's the Fork Fest that I will always remember. And pictures from that one are the desktop background of my computer because it was a lot of fun. And 
it was just a great experience, yeah. right? And I, I actually think that was also the year that FUD played here, if I remember correctly. Like four years ago? Yeah, well, three, three years three? ago. Okay. Yeah, well, depends on how you measure it, right? 20, this is the third. Let's see, I moved in 2019 in May, and I think. This is the second year that Ian was not able to really attend. So three years ago, whatever year that was. Yeah. Regardless, you know. That year was like, it was also, that was peak Fork Fest year, right? That was when Fork Fest was its biggest and its best, and it was fantastic. And then, of course, like six months after that, we got raided by the FBI. And I I hate to be all cliche, but things just haven't been the same since. And I would, I mean, there's no going back, right? Well, yeah, and they're they're never going to be the same. Uh, That raid uh, certainly changed reality for not only you guys right you guys obviously far more affected than than anyone else but it changed reality for everybody and and i remember the same thing happening uh the last time free talk live was rated as well it sort of was like things aren't going to be the same from here on out things will be forever different and i don't know that you can roll that back without without the state rolling itself back well, yeah, I mean, once something is done, it can't be undone, right? And this, certainly the previous raid affected everyone, yeah. right? But no one was arrested. Right. It didn't happen at 6 o'clock in the morning. No one's, no one was yeah. traumatized There were no tanks, there were no bangs. drones. Right. There, was, there wasn't 18 different alphabet agencies surrounding an entire city block, blocking off traffic, people from getting from to and from their homes that morning. Right. The level of violence that occurred on the March on March the 16th, it, it makes sense that, you know, I would be traumatized. But and, and I hate saying that, but I don't know what else to call it at this point. But you got a bunch of military looking dudes pointing guns in your face. Yeah, that's a traumatic experience. Yeah, and they literally did threaten to, to shoot me. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> in your house. Yes. As I stood on my stairs, basically naked in a pair of underwear with a blanket wrapped around me because, you know, it's February or March yeah. and it's cold in New Hampshire. So things just haven't been the same since. And we, it breaks my heart that even unless all the charges were like miraculously dropped right now, there, there's no going back. Like, right. Like the relation, the friendship that I had with Ian and the free talk live stuff that we did and all of that stuff, like it's, it's never going back to the way that it was. And the government took that away from us. Absolutely. And I mean, the free show still exists, obviously, right? And we're still doing Free Talk Live and all of these things still exist, but they 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 broke something. Yeah, it's going to be forever tainted right. with the, the stink of the state. Yeah, and it, it's difficult. I mean, and then, of course, is the reality that in 10 days and like 20, well, let's see, it's 11 days and five minutes now, or four and a half minutes. I will be going to federal prison. Yeah. I got a call this, this morning, morning from, from an, an unrecognized, unrecognized number. number, and I was like, oh, is this it? Is this, I don't normally answer unrecognized numbers, but I feel like I kind of have to right now. Yeah. But it turned out to be just some telemarketer. So. Yeah. But, I mean, soon. Have they been trying to reach you about your uh, extended warranty? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, unfortunately. But soon, you know, I will be called by the U.S. Marshals, and they're going to tell me where I'm going to be serving my prison sentence. And, right, uh, like, that's, it's all very soon. It's very, very soon. I, I have, like, ten nights left with I, my cats. I know when I say this, I'm speaking for a bunch of people that I know and probably a bunch of listeners, but uh, I, I, 
I don't know how else to say it. I, I feel sorry for what you're going through. Like, well, sorry you. is not the right word, but like, you have my sympathies. I appreciate um, it. And and in my opinion, you're doing a stand-up job of, of toughing through it. Thank you. Right? There's not a lot of people who could like handle that pressure and continue to do this show and continue to you know do all the things that you're doing in your life i know you're prepping for this eventuality and so you've got a lot of stuff to take care of responsibility wise with you know your pets and you know you're trying to do things with your stuff and make sure everything's secure so when you get back out you can you know still have some sort of a life um you're doing a fantastic job i think a lot of other people would have cracked by now Thank you. It's it's difficult. I mean, obviously, it's going to be difficult, right? You have this sort of Damocles thing, but it's it's not that much harder now than it was the entire time as I was under pre-trial supervision, waiting on this trial. Or I've, ever since March the sixteenth, I've been waiting on something, and that's no way to live. That's a terrible way to live. Yeah, you should live in the present moment, not in the future. Not in the past. You should live in the present. But when there's so much crap going on in your life, it becomes very, very difficult to live in the present. And I still try to. Don't get me wrong. And I still think it's possible. And that's the only reason I can sit here doing this show, right, yeah. and be fine. It's it's not that I'm, like, burying it or anything like that. It's that no, I'm choosing to be here right now and to experience this. I'm not experiencing 10 days from now. I'm experiencing this moment here. 10 yeah. days from now, I can experience that, right? right? But... It's it's very very difficult to do that when. So one of the things that I, I want to write about when I'm in prison, right, is you see all of these these stories that begin with like you know they sort of a flashback like there there I was in this situation thinking to myself how did I get here mm-hmm. and playing all of these things but that's not what happens right when when you're in that situation you're not thinking about the past. It's the future that you're thinking about. Okay. So, and I, and I want to write about that because that to me is the interesting. I knew exactly as I, you know, rode with the U.S. Marshals to Concord Jail, I knew exactly how I had gotten there. Right. What I did not know was how I was going to get out of there. Yeah. And that was where my brain immediately went. There were, there were things within like my present life that I was worried about, like my cats and stuff like that. But like no one in that situation sits around reflecting on how they got there. They know how they got there because it's obvious. They know how they got there. We know what we did that brought us in, in general, yeah. that brought us into this situation. But anyway, so. It's most people live in the past or in the future and very, very much not in the moment. And I've always tried to live in the moment. But when there's so much impending going on and then, of course, you're waiting on to get out of jail. You're waiting on a meeting with your attorney for your supervised release terms to change. Yeah. Then for this next hearing to happen and then for another hearing to happen and then this other hearing. And then you have a you know that there's an additional indictment coming, yeah. a superseding indictment, where they're yeah. going to charge you with even more stuff. Yeah. And through all of this, you're waiting on this distant future thing that is the trial, and it's just, when you're waiting on that much stuff, it's really hard to live in the present. The attack of the state doesn't end just when you're arrested, just when you're raided. It doesn't end there, and in fact, it continues on for years and years and years. And something that I think... A lot of people maybe innately know who listen to Free Talk Live, maybe innately know that when people do a show like this, the risk that is being taken by anybody who appears on this show is quite large because the state does not like what we do. 
Right. And so these are the risks that are being taken. Now, uh, I think that the hosts of Free Talk Live put their money where their mouth is by doing so, by appearing on this show, by talking about freedom, liberty, you know, peaceful resolution, the non-aggression principle, uh, prosperity, how to be prosperous despite the fact that there's this overwhelming behemoth of a state that is literally oppressing everybody under its wing. Or well, under talking its on Free Talk Live in and of itself, they're, they're not going to worry with, right? Because that's like tweeting or posting on Facebook. Certainly it'll get you on a list. Yeah, it'll get you on the list, but they're not going to come and visit you for your tweets or for your posts or for what Yet. your statements here on the show. Usually. There is more coming up here from Fork Festo, and we're here for a few more days, so come hang out with us. There's more coming up. It is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com. AMPS.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, coming at you from Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountain of New Hampshire. Sorry, Sarah from New Mexico, we're not taking calls tonight. I don't know if she's not listening to the show, so I don't know how she would find that out. She'll probably call the studio. Is it weird that we have callers that don't listen and just call? I, I don't know. Maybe. I we mean, have a lot of callers who do that. I don't know a lot, but a handful we do. There, there's a few that that call but don't listen. I mean, because of the way we have the phone system set up, they can't help but listen if they're on hold. Right. So I guess to some extent they they have to listen if they're calling. And Sarah spends a lot of time on hold sometimes. So <laughs> she she may be... <laughs> Well, you know, uh, Ian and Bonnie will be in the studio because when we do this, we pre-record the segments and I upload them and they you know, set them all up and then they get broadcast. And yep. Ani, Ani, Ian and Bonnie sit in the studio listening to the show. Yep. So they will see it, presumably, when Sarah calls. Right. And I don't know if they'll call and be like, yeah, sorry, sorry, Sarah, we're not taking calls tonight. Or if they'll just ignore it. I don't know. But anyway, we are not taking calls because we are on site here at Rogers Campground. It's Fork Fest number seven, happening June the 15th through the 18th, of course. But you're listening to this, and it's going to be the 17th. So if you want to make Fork Fest, you've got to get down here pretty soon. I'm a little bit surprised. It looks like 
That that would be Sean and his family. Uh, Sean of Chuckwag and Sodas. Also, uh, they do a number of. Well, they used to have a number of food trucks, but they sold most of them. Yeah. But it looks like he has arrived. He told me he would be arriving here today, but he won't be set up to sell drinks and stuff until I think he said Sunday. Okay. So a lot of other people are beginning to arrive. Of course, the dome down there. I'm curious to see what is going on down there. Yeah. Uh, it was not there this morning when I first got here. I was one of the first people here. It was really weird. I'm not used to being one of the first people here. <laughs> you're, you're becoming an overachiever. <laughs> not, not at all. But <laughs> usually there are other you know people here doing stuff. And this year, I want to say I was the first fork fester here. I think I beat Chris here. Oh, if that's I remember amazing. correctly. But I, I don't really know the. It was just it was just strange to get here and look around and like none of these people were here yesterday when yeah. when I got here and I just sort of did my things, took my time setting up and I think I did a pretty good job. It, it looks great, right? Yeah. Actually managed to put the top the tarp on top of the canopy this year because it's uh, as mentioned it's going to rain every single day yep, yep. and usually it doesn't rain enough for that to matter but the the canopy here does have a few tiny holes in it but it usually doesn't yeah. matter yeah. but when it's raining every single day you know let's got to do something about it so this year the big highlight of Fork Fest is the wedding that is yes. taking place and that's going to be for us, it's tomorrow. For people listening, it will have already happened. So if you're listening, you missed the wedding. Sucks for you. Maybe next year. Yep. If there's a wedding next year. And then, of course, after that, the Porcupine Freedom Festival kicks off. And that's going to be a wonderful experience. And I'm in looking between forward those to two things, too, uh, I'm doing a listening party for that's my right. three-song EP on Sunday night. Forkfest Eve, or Porkfest Eve, if you will. Well, that's still Forkfest. It is still Forkfest, yeah. And I wanted to do it during Forkfest specifically, and I thought... The best night to do it would be Sunday night, right? Well, you know, sort of the... I that don't way wanna... you're not competing with a wedding and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I'm not competing with Pork Fest as well, right? Because they have so many things going on during the Porcupine Freedom Festival. Uh, and that way, people who come early, you know, for the Porcupine Freedom Fest, maybe they get to hear it, you know, they can yeah. come by. I've got t-shirts for sale and, you know, all that kind of thing. I've got a limited run of 30... Uh, USB cards that are customized for Forkfest and Porkfest. Very cool. Uh, that even say that that contain not only the three song EP, but all three music videos. And then there's some extra stuff too, some like random jams with people and just some bonus files, right? To, okay. You know, awesome. Extra stuff like you would expect to get. And it's exclusive for this. The EP doesn't actually drop until Independence Day. So okay. that's when it's it's available on like Amazon and Spotify and and Apple iTunes all that crap doesn't happen until Independence Day, and if that's how you're going to get it, you're going to get the three song EP, but none of the extras. So I wanted to do something special, particularly for Forkfest, uh, but also for the Porcupine Freedom Festival because you know Forkfest is a right. fork of that. And so folks who come and meet me and attend in person, you get something extra that nobody else is getting. Very cool, man. And that's happening at RV forty seven, like right next, right yes. next to us, right. That I've was got another, uh, some signs and stuff I'll put up. That was another indicator that there was something wrong with me. Is that like since the raid, my desire to make, I've had to force myself to make any music at all, Ooh, and yeah. and even then, I almost never complete them. The closest thing I got to getting a song completed was um, all for one and all for nothing, and it. It everything had to be retracked again after I recorded it because I just sort of did the 
the layout the first few times. And, you know, I got the song composed, I guess, is the best way to put it. I got it composed, but then I did nothing with it. And I just, I couldn't find, even though there's so much bubbling in me that I want to say, I don't know how to take all of that and convert it into anything because there's just too much of it. Right. So that's been a frustrating experience. Like, like I want to do this, I want to do that, but there's, there's so much in the way that I don't even know how to begin. And this is the point of the therapy, right? But no. I mean, the therapists even argued that instead of sending me to prison, they, the judge should just keep me in therapy. And that, that's probably the best thing for me, they argued. But, of course, the judge did what judges do, and he makes his own decision. And yeah. In 10 days, I will be in almost exactly 10 days, I will have checked into some federal prison to spend the next 18 months. And that's that's another one of those things where like you're constantly waiting on something. And yeah. I know when I'm in prison, I will be constantly waiting on my release. I'm going to try not to be, and I'm going to write. And I say I'm going to write, but I know I haven't had the inspiration to write. I force myself to write here and there, yeah. but I... Once I'm in there, I'm not going to have anything else to do, so I might force myself to do it every single day, and I may even work through all of these things. I don't know, right? Yeah. But I say I'm going to write, and that's generally my plan, but I may get in there and have the same issue that I've had with, with making music or whatever for the last two years, which is just that my heart isn't there Yeah. because my heart is broken, yeah. I guess. Very frustrating, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it being over. And so yeah. that, that will more or less be on my mind the entire time that I'm in prison. But now for the next 10 days, you know, there's a cl- countdown timer here. There that, is. I noticed that. And I, like, I understand why you did it, but it also saddens me that it's here. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people think, it's like, how is your mental health taking that or whatever? But, like, the, honestly, the truth is it doesn't make a difference, yeah. right? Wh- whether that countdown timer is there or not, yeah. I know that in 10 days, 10 days, man, I'm going to federal prison. Yep. That's not something you just forget about, yeah. right? That, that, that's always there. It's always in the back of my mind. And the countdown timer there isn't going to remind me of it any more than I'm already being reminded of it. So to me, it's just a conversational piece. It's just a conversation starter. And it hasn't worked because everyone who is here so far already is well aware of what it's counting down to. And, you know, I counted down to Porkfest and the and Forkfest, and I do that every year because I like coming here and it's yeah. a great time, right? But this year it's got this weird bittersweet aspect to it where like, yeah, I love it, but yeah. as soon as it ends, I'm going to prison. Not as soon as it ends, right? Yeah. Like it ends that Sunday yeah. or the 25th. Or the twenty fourth? I don't 20- remember what day. Yes, the twenty fourth. Yeah. Well, twenty four. Yeah, twenty fifth is the Sunday. So the twenty fifth is the Monday. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. The twenty sixth is the Tuesday, and that's. But you know that that's what I got to deal with, and I'm I don't. Still I don't a want day to spend behind for some reason. I thought it yeah. was yeah, anyway. Go ahead. I only remember because I know the twenty sixth is a Tuesday because for whatever reason, everything that the judge scheduled to happen in my case, he scheduled for a Tuesday, and I, I don't know why, but it was always a Tuesday. Is that a see you next Tuesday? I guess, <laughs> but like if a hearing got put off, it was always postponed to a future Tuesday. Yeah, and with Ian, it seems to be Thursday, if if I remember so correctly. But I I don't know why they do it that way. Right? Yeah, but they do, and the only reason I'm out right now is to officiate this wedding. Right. Because my it was in the letters that were written, and it was in my attorney's argument that hey, you shouldn't send Ari to prison because she's got all these things to do. 
It's so weird, though, that, like, that was a consideration for the state. Like, I would have expected the state to be like, we don't care. You're going in on the state anyway, right? To have, like, no... I can't even I can't even describe it as sympathy, but to have no like like that 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 there was any consideration for that at all. It is very unlike the state. That's true. I mean, but weddings are important to people, right? And the, like those are life changing events. Yeah, probably important to the state because it's another way for them to have more names on their database. So I I, I don't know. I haven't really given Collect any thought fee. why the why the judge really cared obviously it it served my interest to keep me out of jail because the bureau of prisons right like dude it gets so frustrating talking to people sometimes because they like google stuff yeah and then they go hey i I guess you didn't know about this but biden made a trans policy so you're gonna be fine okay yeah i will ignore what my highly paid attorney has to say about this and listen to the guy who did a google search yeah and if i know you you already were well aware of that yeah, yeah. i mean obviously if you, i have spent more time reading about this stuff than anyone else not going to prison right right because this is my life it's my prison sentence i want to know what i'm getting into the only thing i haven't done is read the actual orientation handbook of any of the prisons i've skimmed some of them but until i know what prison i'm going to be in i don't want that clutter in my head because yeah, it varies right and i don't want to know what the orientation is at this other prison that i'm not going to you want to know the specifics right. and i'm not going to know that until like the very end but uh i lost my train of thought because there goes matt roach on his dirt bike <laughs> And that's Bye, awesome. Matt. Congrats, Matt, and congrats on the wedding. Oh, but yeah, so they wanted to keep me out so that the Bureau of Prisons could figure out how to deal with a trans person. Because under Trump, you just went to whatever prison you were assigned at birth, yep. right? And that's pretty much what it is under Biden, too. Yeah. But Biden created a committee. So don't worry, everyone. There's a committee. A committee involved. They're going to study things and defer things to a council, and the council is going to vote and defer it to a different committee, uh-huh. and that committee has a subcommittee uh-huh. that will send it to the subcommittee of the subcommittee, and at some point, someone, we're two months into this, by the way, will figure out what damn prison they want to send me to. Or, so, or they won't, and they'll postpone it, and you won't have to go for longer. I don't think they can do that. Okay. I, I mean... I mean, they're I don't out of the know. state. Yeah, that's true. They can do whatever they want, right? I don't think they would do that, though. I think they would just have me say, okay, well, report to Cheshire County while we figure out what to do with you. And I don't understand why they're not doing that either. Like, a lot of county jails throughout the United States, they do have federal prisoners in them when they're not serving long sentences. Like, if you're serving 12 months, it, it, it's too much trouble right. to transport you to a prison and have you there for... I mean, and if you're if you're sentenced to 12 months, you're probably going to be out in six to nine. Yeah. So that's a lot of trouble to go through for someone who's going to be out in six to nine months. So they usually just send you to a local county jail and you spend your time there. Outsourcing. Yeah. I said they might do that. They're like, okay, all right, we haven't figured this out yet. So report to Cheshire County Jail and just chill there yeah. for a, a little while while we figure this out. But like, guys, if you haven't figured this out by now, and again, we're almost two months into this, two months since I was sentenced. Right. And they haven't contacted me. People have been asking since the week of my sentencing, where are you going? Have you found out where you're going yet? Guys, it's the government. (laughs) How did libertarians forget this? They're not efficient. They're not in a hurry. They have no incentive. They are doing this with all of the passion and 
and excitement of the DMV. Yeah. And that's all it is. If not less. Right. And so some can, and we don't know what's going to happen, right, with me. I would, honestly, both situations suck. Women's prison has their own issues, especially the Connecticut women's uh, federal prison. I can't remember the name of it right now. Danbury. Yeah. It's got a pretty bad reputation for a minimum security prison camp. And, like, this is the place that Orange is the New Black was based off of. And, oh, yeah, okay. and the girl who wrote Orange is the New Black, I don't remember, I, the book may have been the same name, I don't remember, but, like, she described people being, you know, f- um, having used tampons snuck into their food, having their, her head forcefully shaved by other inmates, like, pe- people had this idea that, you know, I'm going to go to female prison and be like, pillow fight, pillow fights and lingerie, no. Country club, right, yeah, you're going to get massages and yeah. pedicures and a it's, eucalyptus steam bath? Right, it's prison. And it's every bit as vicious as any men's prison. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to the possibility of going to it. But then men's prison, not any better. I honestly yeah. think it would be easier for me to go to a men's prison. Wow. I, I think I would get less pushback and I would be more likely to be left alone. But because I, I, I mean, like I, I've known a couple of uh, women who have been to women's prison and they both say, that uh, they think that women's prison, federal prison, that is, is more vicious than men's prison. And I was surprised by that coming from women. I'm not. <laughs> but um, not, not their situation is good. But that does seem sure. to be what people think. Oh, you can go to a women's prison and, you know, just have sex for the 18, next 18 months. Whatever. Well, no, first of all, that's a terrible idea. You do something like that, you're probably going to end up with more time. What's the old joke? He couldn't get laid in a women's prison with a fistful of pardons. Well, you shouldn't get laid <laughs> in a women's prison because it just creates so many possible issues. Right? There's a possible issue with jealousy. And you're not allowed to have relationships in prison, right? They frown upon that. They, they know what's going to happen, right? But, like, you're not supposed to do that. I'm having flashbacks to uh, Half-Baked. I'm somebody's bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that movie. There's something else I've been wanting to watch no recently. Squirrel Master came out of nowhere. It's amazing that you mentioned that. They mentioned that in last night's episode of Free Talk Live when they were discussing Bob Saget because of the, that, the, oh, the one scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever, mm-hmm, for Coke? And, yeah. and I knew that Bob Saget was in that scene, right? But it still wasn't until years later that I saw Bob Saget doing stand-up that yeah. I realized just how bad his mouth really is. And they were bringing this up in the context of Drag Queen Story Hour and drag performers. because And it's obvious when you stop to think about it, like Bob Saget, this family-friendly guy who yeah. did America's Home Videos and Full House and all this other crap. Yes, he's he does plenty of family-friendly content. But his adult content is brutal. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's got a potty mouth. Yeah. Yeah. And every, but none of that adult content means that he isn't family-friendly on America's Home Videos. You don't have people out there going, oh, no, we can't let our kids watch, uh, what's the show, Full House, because I saw that Bob Saget stand-up, and that was just not okay. Right, Right? But, But when it's a drag queen... Who does a video where she's like stripping or whatever? Suddenly, oh no, we can't have our kids around this because we saw that video. But that's not the way you assess anything else. And I brought up the example of movies once upon a time. Just because there are some movies that are rated R doesn't mean that all movies are unacceptable for children, right? Yeah. This is an obvious thing. Different types of entertainment have different categories, some of which are adult friendly and some of which aren't. Yeah. 
I would let my kids listen to metal, but I would understand why some people would be like, you know, you know, five-year-old son, I don't know that you should be listening to corn and Limp Biscuit right now, right? Uh, okay. I, I wouldn't mean... have an issue with it, but sure, it's a lot of foul language, and they don't know when it's okay to say things. I, I get it. I wouldn't agree. You could apply the same thing to like, you know, I'm I'm old school, so gangster rap, right? Right. You know, I mean, there's a lot of. Uh, things that people will sort of, you know, ooh, uh, you, you know, I don't want my kid listening to that, but they can listen to this other thing, and it's worse, yeah, lyrically than anything metal could be. But, but I get it, you know, you want your five year old kid to watch Pocahontas. Don't don't watch Pocahontas. That's trash. You want them to watch The Lion King though, and you don't want them to watch Friday the Thirteenth because it's just one is made for kids and one isn't, and that's that's totally fine. So anyway. I don't remember how we got into the subject of Bob Saget, but it's not super important anyway. <laughs> and He's a funny comedian. It he, was uh, half-baked. Uh, it was half-baked. Yeah. But I don't remember what we were talking about before we even got into that, because we are here at ForkFest. I'm not looking into any show prep at the moment. But we have some, of course, to talk about. In general, we're just talking about the the ForkFest well, and the Porcupine Freedom Festivals. If, if we could change topics for just a moment, I yeah. wanted to mention the Green Monkey. That's right. You, you had brought that up. Yeah. What so, is that? Uh, there was a, a something circulating on on the internets, the the twitters and that kind of thing, about some DNA of the green monkey being found in the COVID vaccines. What is the green monkey? So oh. the green monkey is uh, a, a species of monkey from Africa, I believe, and uh, it is sort of famous, at least in my mind. During the OG AIDS epidemic coming out of the 80s. Okay. Now, the reason that stuck in my mind is because uh, I went to uh, an all, you know, it was like the high school put on in the auditorium kind of thing. It was all, everybody had to attend kind of a thing. And it was a presentation okay. about, about the AIDS epidemic and like what you could do, how it affects you, you know, education of like, you know, well, you can get it from this, but not from that. And it's only sexually transmitted and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And they went into great detail at this presentation back in the 80s about how the belief was that AIDS originated with the green monkey and that somehow it transduced itself from the simian, the, the monkey population, into the human population. They implied, of course, that somebody you know, had some sort of an interaction with this monkey. And so... Right, it, I think I remember this, that. They, they suggested that someone you know, fornicated with, with an ape. And what happened at this ape. particular seminar that I was at is my friend Al, who was a bold dude, metalhead. You know, he, he was really like, I think today he would be an anarchist. Okay. You know, like I'd like to think that anyway. But anyway, he was the one, like they, there was a Q&A section, and he was the first guy to stand up all like, ooh, ooh, me, me, like Horse right. Jacks and uh, they go, yes, you, sir, what is your question? And he said, I just have one question. Who effed the green monkey? And the whole place <laughs> erupted in laughter and the speaker. No, did he the say the actual word? He said the actual That's, word, okay. yeah. Hardcore. And nice. then, of course, he was escorted out immediately Obviously. after yeah. that because of the type of uh, environment that he was in. And, of course, the, the speaker just sort of downplays like, well, we don't know exactly how it jumped from the monkey population to the human population, this, that, and the other thing. And so that stuck in my head because it was funny. It was hilarious to my yeah. friend Al stand up and ask this question that was on everybody's mind who was listening to this presentation. You couldn't help but think about that question. So he asked a question that nobody else was going to ask anyway and didn't get an answer. And so now years later, there's this thing going around on Twitter, which um, there was an AP News article that, that said, no, it's not true 
that there was uh, Green Monkey, uh, vi- it's uh, S40, there's some designation to, to the Green Monkey virus that's found in the COVID vaccine. And they're well, like, you can oh, definitely no. trust the Associated Press, right? Right. And, and like this article is debunking, saying like, like, no, it's not the virus, but there is this little piece of the simian DNA that is that is in there. So the story is not exactly untrue. The AP article is trying to debunk it with a headline, but then also go on to say, well, yeah, there actually is a piece of this DNA that can be found in the COVID vaccine, but it's not the virus itself. And that's really a problem because a lot of people only read headlines. Right. And then they it doesn't matter if the article itself completely disputes what the headline says, they're going to go on believing whatever they think the headline suggests the article contains. So the green monkey rears its ugly head again this time during the COVID vaccine. At least so far, it didn't give anyone HIV. There's one coming up here from Fort Fest, so you can come hang out with us at RV46. It's free talk live. Play this song a few weeks ago. Like just yeah, just sitting around my house, I was like, yeah, I haven't played that in a while. Let's play it. And like, I don't remember how to play it. (laughs) 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 It was a song that this is uh, "Broken Man" by Rebel Sync, and we played it at. Uh, Fort Fest yeah, here Rebel, three years I ago. keep forgetting the, the name. People will call in to like Beer Talk Live. Hey, what was the name of the, the band of the intro music? And I've said it so many times, but I can never remember. Rebel Inc. Rebel Inc., yep. Or Rebel Inc., I don't know. Yeah, it's singular. Okay. And I wanted to play it, and I just, I remember it was tuned down to uh, to C sharp, or I mean, or D flat, whatever you want to call Didn't it. Did we play it in It's dropped drop D? D, but it's down yeah. half a No, I used a separate guitar for it. Oh, okay. To make things a little bit easier. And it was a lot of fun to play, but I just I don't I haven't played it since. Right, that three years ago was the last time I played that song, and I have, I don't remember. I remember the that solo part at the beginning because yeah. it was just two notes and some bends. But that's it. I, I wish I could remember more. If of it, it makes but, you feel any better, I uh, totally botched the lyrics during the performance. So nice. like, well, I botched you know, we the got, whole show. So. We got at at some point. And I had the lyrics written down, and I was trying hard to memorize them, you know, before the show because I—that was the one song that I didn't have completely memorized. And so we got to some point, and I remember just like looking around at you guys while you were still playing and going, "I have no idea what I'm supposed <laughs> to be singing right here, if anything." You know, I'm like, "Where are we in this song?" And so I just sort of ad libbed a little bit, and we eventually ended the song, and everybody was like, "Yay!" So it all. Yeah, no one notices. Yeah, no one notices these things when you're on stage. But when you're on stage and you're in the moment, these little tiny moments of seconds seem to take forever. They can yes. You they, know, you're like, oh my gosh, I've been I've been screwing this part up for five minutes when it no, it's like five seconds. That the solo for Enter Sandman is the one that sticks out most in my mind because that was where I completely lost the ability to see. And I was just <laughs> Right, we're playing <laughs> it was dark. We only had tiki torches for lights. We had no stage lighting whatsoever. And I did not put nearly enough oil in the tiki torch that was on my side. I thought it lasted longer than that, but like halfway through the show it was almost completely gone. And by the time Inter Sandman goes, I was just a black silhouette. Like- Going like, off a of touch. Listening back to some of the the video footage that that somebody captured, I like. I don't like the footage that was captured. It was you know a crappy cam and and that kind of a thing. So of course it it doesn't sound as good as it could have. Well, I mean we but, put it together in three weeks. So. Right, right. But like I, I am impressed with how all three of us 
were able to pull it off without being able to see. Like That's the, true. Like the yeah. drummer probably <laughs> had the easiest time because there's, you know, the chrome rims around each of the drums. Yeah. So any little bit of light might have illuminated the drums just enough for the drummer to see. But you and I, I know I couldn't see my fretboard at no, all. I couldn't see anything. So no. I was, I was <laughs> what I call press and pray. I was pressing on the strings, praying that I landed on the appropriate fret because I could not see the dots at all. So it's all just muscle memory, hoping that I remembered no. the riff appropriately. And like for by, by hook or by like crook we pulled it off so it was we impressive did. and it came out good i mean it wasn't the it wasn't the worst show i've ever but i had to give that some serious some thought because it it was not a good show but it was not the worst i've ever not played. the worst i've ever played either uh and it was fun and people seemed to enjoy it and for pulling it together as fast as we did right yep. i mean it was a good time i hate that i wasn't as my gnx3 was giving me problems then and yeah. and i've since learned what it was that it was doing but like some of the settings like some of the gain was turned up on this particular channel and not that channel and i was using channel 21 when we practiced and when we did the sound checks and then for the yeah. performance i ended up on sound on channel 22 or whatever miscellaneous little Little things like that that completely screwed things up. But all in all, and the only reason that was the case was because I was really unfamiliar. I hadn't used that amp yeah. anyway. So it, it yeah. was all, you know, but it was good and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, I just, I wish I could remember how to play that song, but well, and I've like, mostly moved to playing bass lately, right? That's what you were saying. Yeah. yeah. Are you doing some slapping and popping? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to play bass, play it like a bass, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I recorded one video. So I, someone was like, hey, are you using a pick? I was like, why would I use a pick to play bass? Oh, no. thank you. Like, uh, there are some uh, types of music that like I think playing bass with a pick is required if you're not... Uh, what I call uh, an active bass player, right? A passive bass player, a song that requires passive bass playing is where the bassist literally follows the guitar. Uh, Maybe there's an occasional variance here and there just to let you know, hey, there's some bass here, right? Outside of the low frequencies. Like Breaking Benjamin or someone like that. Yeah, you know, or or there might be an occasional, like, you know, one pop uh, on the bass, but uh, mostly like what I call passive bass playing, a pick is just fine for that stuff. But yeah. when it comes to active bass playing, where the bass player is playing something fundamentally different than the guitar player or players, then I think fingers and slap and pop are required for that type of music. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I've never, I mean, I've never found much use in having a bass player just play along with whatever the guitars are doing because, like, yeah. I tend to put a lot of bottom end on my guitars anyway, mm-hmm. so it's sort of it's blue on black. Yeah. It's like you're just going to play the root note of whatever I'm playing. I can just turn my bass up, I'll turn my bass knob up a little bit and get pretty much the same effect. So I prefer. I wish I could play Primus, and I can't. I can't play some Primus. Sure, nowhere yeah. near as well as Les Claypool. Obviously, I, nobody but, can play near as well as Les right. Claypool, except Les Claypool. Yeah, I can't. I listened to his song uh, "Highball with the Devil" recently. Yeah, I hadn't heard that particular song before, and a friend said it to me, "Is like, hey, I want you to learn how to play this." I said, "Hey, that's two bass guitars at once. No, thank you." And like, <laughs> even trying to play one of the bass lines, it's, it's just so. Hard. I and then I watch people like Davey504 and Charlie Brutad. I don't know his name. They're YouTubers, and they're just phenomenal. They give Les Claypool a run for his money, definitely. These guys are good. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing watching them play. Like, I'm not that. Yeah. I, I didn't... I was not interested in bass. I always played my four-string when I played bass because that was just what I knew. And then I was like, yeah, I want to play my five-string because it sounds better. It's got a better tone. It's fuller. It's brighter for whatever reason. Even though they're the same make and model, but one is a four-string and one is a five-string. They're Go both figure. Same, same pickups? Yeah. Active? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. But um, 
So I started, I asked on Facebook, you know, give me some good bands to, to play along with. And someone said, well, Corn. I was like, duh, Corn, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I wanted something that was more advanced than like <sighs> Breaking Benjamin. The, yeah. I, I don't even know a Breaking You could not pay me to learn a Breaking yeah, Benjamin I don't song. Yeah, any of their music. But so, some sort of generic, easy to play bass song is what I'm thinking of. And I wanted something between that. And Primus, yeah. right? And usually Tool falls in about that spot, but I get so sick of playing Tool. Tool can yeah, be yeah. fun to play because they have neat riffs and weird timings and stuff, but like it's exhausting. Yeah. And I, there's only so many times I can play Schism or 46 and 2 <laughs> or whatever before I want to blow my brains out. <laughs> Sober. Right? Yeah. yeah. Sober is one I never learned on bass because it's just, it's so easy. It's like just two notes through the whole song. It's like, no, thank you. So 46 and 2 schism, those are generally funner to play with. But still, that's only like two songs. And they're like, all right, well, I need something else to play. So yeah. someone suggested corn. And like, duh. Because that's exactly what I'm looking for. It's a lot of slapping, yeah. not much plucking, but a lot of slapping and a lot of, a lot of style. Like, you know, when you hear corn, that it's corn, and yeah. it's the basis that makes it that way. Yeah, that's true. And one of my friends uh, that I worked with, he's a musician. He he thought it was the drummer making that noise. We huh? were, yeah, <laughs> like he records. He's he's got music that he wrote on Spotify, and we were having a conversation about this. And he asked me, he's like, "Yeah, what's what is the drummer doing to make that noise?" I went, Haha, "Yeah, that's good." He's like, "Oh, what what is he doing?" I was like, "You you you poor guy that." How do you not know that's the bass? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like in in ways being a musician uh, resembles being a libertarian in that not everybody knows what the hell you're talking about when you talk about it, right? That's I true. take it for granted that I know the difference between an electric guitar, a bass guitar, and a drum kit, right? And and keyboards. <laughs> and but like some people when they listen to music, all they all they do is they listen for how it feels to them. They're not discerning what instrument is what they might not even know what instrument is doing what they just know that when they hear this song they like it and it makes them feel good in some way or feel bad or you know they identify with it in some way shape or form and so libertarianism is similar to that because well you and i can sit down and talk about things that me and somebody who's not a libertarian and never heard of libertarian philosophy we can't sit down and have that same conversation until they get up to speed yeah okay that makes sense so the same thing with like this kid was a musician Oh, well, then that's, yeah. And then there's no excuse. It reminds me of this old drummer that I had like years ago who thought in the Tool song right into, like toward the end, the bass drum and the bass guitar, the the bass guitar slaps the open D at the same time that the drummer kicks the bass drum, and it sounds really good. And the drummer that I was with thought that it was like this ball and this ball and chain effect that the drummer was using. I was like, nope, that's that's also just the bass. Oh, I see. But anyway, so I started playing a lot of corn lately and I discovered that bass is actually a lot of fun because it's got such a different vibe to it. It does. It's a unique guitar. instrument in yeah. that respect. And it, it's hard to play bass without being kind of funky with it, right? And I love funk music too, particularly for the bass lines. In just a few months of practicing bass, I was writing bass licks in my songs that I was working on that are never going to be completed now that I would never have never even, say never. that I would never even have con- conceived two years ago or three years ago or whatever. And th- that's an interesting development, right? Like, And I've been listening to a lot of different stuff now. A lot of different stuff is influencing me that wouldn't have been influencing me the last time I was really writing music. Like, I, Poppy is such a weird chick. And I, I, I want to like Poppy, but I hate a lot of her stuff. But 
her her sound yeah. is incredible, right? It's almost entirely driven by bass and drums. Yeah. yeah. And this is also true of like Falling in Reverse and a few other of those very, very new metal type of bands. Well, it's I, just, I, the guitars are there, but they're so minor in the mix that this was the case with the more recent songs I was working on was that they weren't driven by the guitar anymore. Yeah which is how my music has always been. It's right. like the guitar is the driving force and everything else just goes with it. But here it was, the guitar was going along with it and everything was going forward at once. Yeah. And it was it was a lot more fun. I really like that you're having uh, or experiencing, you know, musical growth at this particular period in sure. your life. Yeah. You know, I, I like that something else has sort of caught your attention and you're exploring it and you're, you're allowing yourself to grow with it musically, uh, particularly... You know, with all the crap that's hanging over your head and all that kind of stuff, I, I think it's important for you to not ignore that. I suspect when I get out of prison and when I get back into a stable place and I can get my, God willing, I can end up somewhere where I can rebuild my music studio because I still got all the stuff, yeah. right? I just don't have the actual studio anymore. But I'm hoping I can get somewhere where I can get my studio back together because I'm going to have all of this crap because this will be behind me at that point yeah. and I will be able to look back and write about it and I'm sort of looking forward to that because yeah. one of the things I one of the last things I said with my therapist before our final meeting ended was you know I feel a lot of crap right now and I don't even know how to begin to decipher it. and she's like I hate that you said that because we just ran out of time and like we were just getting into the good stuff and <laughs> I was like well yeah well my sentencing is tomorrow so Hopefully, we'll talk again next week. Right. So, I mean, a lot of lot to unpack there, and I'm looking forward to that. And I, I say I'm looking forward to it, and I am. I'm looking forward to having all of this behind me, and that's why I'm not appealing the sentencing. Plus, appealing the sentencing wouldn't matter. Yeah. I, I've got no grounds to appeal the sentence. The, if the judge went over the sentencing guidelines, we could have appealed the plea agreement and you know got all that taken care of, but he went way under the guidelines, so it's if I, I don't know if they could do this, but like we appeal it and they go, yeah, the judge under sentenced you. You should have been sentenced to 36 months, not 18. Go back to prison. Like, uh, I don't know if they can do that. Nobody but wants it's the, that. It's the government. They can do whatever they want, right? But we are having a great time here. It's a beautiful day. It's actually a bit warm now, but that's that's how it is here at Fork Fest. And there's people steadily rolling in. There's people setting up. And there's a dome down here at the bottom of the hill that I'm tremendously curious about because I... the Is it fully built now? I can't really see behind uh, the, me. The framework is mostly They've been making built. progress on it. Yeah, it's, it's curious. I've always wondered... Now, I know a few years ago when they built this, Stephen and Derek stacked a bunch of picnic tables on top of each other and then climbed up them yeah. in order to build the upper parts of it. But they don't appear... Oh, they have a ladder. That's easier. Is this the same dome, do you think? I don't know. You know, that that's a really good question. I don't know what they're doing. But it was initially the Somalia pirate ship, I right. think is what they called it. And, of course, that was back when Will Coley was DJing it and before uh, Stephen himself had started DJing. It was a lot of fun. Right. Then it became the Big Gay Dance Party. And then, of course, Derek and Stephen left after the March the 16th raid. Like, I think that day, or if it wasn't that day, it was the day after they had packed up all their stuff and gotten out of the U.S. And I can, look, Coinbase and Binance should have figured this out, too. They didn't. Right. But it, it was obvious that 
the federal government was going to come after cryptocurrency. And it it breaks my heart to look around and see this because, like, you know, I am going to prison for fighting in this particular war. Yeah. And it we lost this war. I hate it, but we did. Well, and anybody who thinks that the United States of America is the land of the free, the home of the brave, uh, I urge you to take a look at what is going on in in the crypto universe, the persecution that the government has, they have it out for anybody cryptocurrency. Exchanges, yeah, uh, developers, brutal. anybody involved in that space trying to make a go at startup companies, you're all under threat because the government has finally, uh, in some way, figured out that cryptocurrency is a direct threat to their existence. Yeah, Gensler, the the chair of the CEO oh, it, of the SEC, he he said this, right? He said, you don't need any cryptocurrency because we have the U.S. dollar. We have the dollar. It's already digital, yeah, it's which like, we've been saying for right. you know, 10 years now. But that was the quiet part. I, I'm amazed that he had the... I mean, not that... You know, we we don't need crypto. We haven't been saying that. I'm saying we've been saying that the dollar is already digital. There's not enough actual physical cash to, like, account for all of the dollars that are in existence in people's bank accounts. Only 3% of the dollars in existence actually is physical currency, right? Yeah, so 97% of it is virtual, is digital. That's why I love Fork Fest and the Porcupine Freedom Festival. You can actually use cryptocurrency here. I can't. I look forward to being able to use cryptocurrency again more than you know, man. I, oh, I miss bet. scanning that little QR code. And it's such a minor thing, right? But like the cryptocurrency was in many ways like my main piece of activism. Yeah. Right? That was what I did. And I, that was what I promoted. I was out there every day doing yeah. something in regard to cryptocurrency. And now for more than two years, I haven't been able to touch the stuff. Yeah. And I hate it. And I've watched Keen sort of lose its status as the crypto mecca because of this. And, like, that sucks. I, I used to do the crypto tours. As I mentioned, you know, I'm heavily into this cryptocurrency thing. Yeah. And I was the one who did the crypto tours when people came to Keen and they wanted someone to show them around. Like, All right, let's go. Yeah. And that continued on. The Verge had me do that for them. Uh, someone who visited me from the, who visited from the United Kingdom had me do it for them. And there have been a few crypto tours since the raid. But it's such a sad, hollow, empty shell of what it was. It's like, well, if you look way down there, there is a business that accepts Bitcoin. And if you look way down there on the other side... There's one, and that one used to, and that one used yeah. to, and that one used to, and that one used to. I uh, I forget to mention this all the time, but here at Forkfest and Porkfest, uh, you know, I have T-shirts and this EP thing. I am not taking FRNs. Nice. Like that. That is, you know, I've said it on the radio a couple of times. I'm horrible at promoting my own stuff, so I, yeah, I don't know how much I've done, but uh, I am refusing FRNs. I will take gold, silver, gold backs, cryptocurrency. Uh, all of those things are available option for you. If for whatever reason you're, you're here and you're trying to buy something from me and all you have is FRNs, turn around. And, and come see me and, because and, I have gold, I will sell you. And ask somebody. That's like, there are so many people here or no, going to be just here. Just come to me. I, I need to sell the gold because I got a $5,000 fine to pay. So forget come all find those Aria. other people. Yeah. Find me. Because I got plenty of gold that I am selling. I'm not intentionally selling it anymore. Because I'm like, I stopped by on the way up here to pay the fine, and that sucked. But like, I was driving by Concord anyway, so yeah. killed two birds with one stone, and I had to pay 
2500 of it at least before going to prison. Yeah. And I don't know Wait, what or else what? They're going to throw you in prison? They'll probably hold me in prison longer. Oh, okay. So, right. cuz I was just like, well, like can they really increase your punishment somehow? Can I'm they threaten sure they you can. with jail if you're it's already going? It's contempt of court if you don't obey. So What what if you were poor and couldn't pay? Well, they shouldn't have fined me, right? Agreed. My attorney said the entire time that they weren't going to fine me yeah. because it, it was silly for them to. But they fined me anyway. And again, even that was half of the fine that I was supposed to be given. So like, consistently, the judge took whatever I was supposed to have done to me and he cut it in half. And I don't know what that says, but that's what happened, yeah. right? But anyway, so I stopped by on the way up here and paid part of that fine. It was frustrating. I had talked to my attorney again because my attorney has an office right there by the courthouse, yeah. which is super convenient. So I was like, hey, I got to stop by and pay this fine. And I've got a dog and two cats with me. So I need to leave the car running. So I don't want to just park on the street. Right. Yeah. So I, can I park in your driveway? He was like, yeah, of course. Blah, 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 blah. And then he mentioned to me my studio equipment that the FBI has that they took from me on March the 16th. They took a bunch of stuff, but they took out they took, of my, like your compressors and gates and stuff. No, they took oh. my computer and a an external hard drive. Yeah. And the reason the external hard drive is significant is because it has the only remaining copies of all the music I wrote before oh, coming no. to New Hampshire. Oh. And it, there are a few songs that I have in other places and yeah. I've since re-downloaded, but like the full collection is on that external hard drive and all the music I was working on. Plus, I was back then I was doing something called Bad Movie Club yeah. where some friends and I would hang out. We would watch bad movies and record it and yeah. then we'd you know, edit it and make it entertaining and throw it online. All of those clips, all of those unfinished episodes, all of those unfinished songs that I was working on all of that stuff is on that studio computer and on that external hard drive and they took it and we my attorney and i pointed out to them to the prosecutors hey this stuff it, it says here in the discovery that it just contains a bunch of music files and nothing related to cryptocurrency so can aria have this stuff back right and the prosecutor said yeah we don't we don't have any problem with that yeah just contact the fbi and th so they got that worked out my attorney was supposed to meet with the fbi agent on on next thursday he's going to bring it to me yeah. and then he didn't and he followed up and it turns out that they don't want to give it back to me because of the because of the rage on the studio in 2016. What? I wasn't even in New Hampshire when right. this happened. Right, what does that have to do? They said because of the lawsuit filed by the Shire Free Church and Ian against the FBI, they don't they won't relinquish my stuff, right? What does one have to do with the other? It has nothing. It's punitive. That's all, right? Uh, They're being petty because uh, Ian is suing them. They're not going to give me my stuff back. That's all it is. That's lame. Yeah, it, that's the government, right? It is. Yeah, I mean, this is what the government does. Not only do they, uh, you know, murder people. Not only do they oppress people. Not only do they uh, tell people what to do and how to do it, but they continue the harassment, no yep. matter what avenue. Like this doesn't. That doesn't even have anything to. Do. I lived in Mississippi 
at the time that that raid happened. Yeah. And this computer, they the prosecutors have admitted, the FBI has admitted, everyone has admitted this. Look at got, the dates on the file creation. Right? Yeah, it's got nothing to do with cryptocurrency. There's nothing about cryptocurrency I- anywhere related to that. Yeah. Like it had its own separate Telegram account. Like I specifically kept the two things separated. Right. That was just the Amduzia's music studio. It had its own separate Telegram account. So I didn't even have that. Right. There was nothing crypto related on there. It was just music and for movie, for video and audio production. But no, because Ian is suing them, they don't want to give me my stuff back. That's Even dumb. though the prosecutors know that it's there's it's no use in the case against me. Even though the prosecutors know that it's got nothing to do with 2016 and anything on it has nothing to do with 2016. They can't even search for it in the context of stuff they were looking for in 2016. Even I mean, there's nothing on it except audio and music, audio and video files. But like, it's completely and totally separate. Yeah. And the FBI knows it. I know it. My attorney knows it. The prosecutors themselves know it, and we're willing to give it back. But the FBI is petty, and because Ian is suing them. They're refusing to do it. Yeah, well, and the FBI is an organization that, uh, like the rest of the federal government, needs to go the F away. That would be great, but give me my stuff back first. I was surprised that they gave him my DVR back that contained footage of the raid, and I was surprised that they gave Ian's back as well. Now, mine ended up not being nearly as exciting, so I wanted to release mine, but mine was very dull. And, you know, I was working on it. I had extracted the video, and I was getting it together and all that. But then Ian got his and released his, and his was so much more exciting. I was like, it it, would be pointless for me to release this. So I ended up just getting rid of it because it was useless. But I was surprised they gave that back without wiping it, right? That that doesn't seem like what they would do. Right. But they sure enough did. They returned it without wiping it. All the footage was there. I think they want to showcase their brutality. Well, they certainly did that. And the videos are quite horrific. If you haven't seen them, go to freekeep.com and look for FBI Raid. You'll find it. But there is more coming up here. The FBI almost certainly here as well. And they can go screw themselves. It's Free Talk Live. has existed so long relative to the Porcupine Freedom Festival, right? Like a 7 to 20 ratio is almost... Yeah. I mean, it's a third as young, just about, but like that's longer than I would have expected. But my first Porcupine Freedom Festival was the same year that ForkFest started. Ah, so okay. That that makes it super easy for me to remember certain things. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised recently there was an entire Fork, uh, an entire year that I came here and then returned to Mississippi that I have no recollection of. <laughs> I thought that I came here the first year, yeah. and then I came here the second year, and on the third year, I moved. Okay. No. I came here one year, then I came here the second year, then I came here the third year, and the fourth year, and then I moved. I moved on the fourth year, not the third. And so I'm like... And you lost a year in there somewhere. Yeah, and I don't remember it at all. Right, I remember the first year where I slept over there in Agora Valley at the Muslims for Liberty tent. <clears throat> 
helping, you know, Will Cully out with stuff. And I remember the second year where I slept further away down here um, on a campsite that I shared with his mom. Yeah. And I don't remember the year after that, but there was another year. And then the year after that, I stayed at the uh, Cabot. And since then, I've been staying at the motel here at Rogers Campground. Right. But like, there was another year there that I came here that I don't remember. Huh. And that's weird. I don't. I I know I came here. I drugs? didn't skip it. I mean, I don't even remember driving here though. I mean, definitely drugs, right? <laughs> but I don't. I don't remember even driving here, and I wasn't on drugs while driving. Here. Sure, yeah. And it's just it's it's so strange to me. And huh. like, I don't know how I could have happened. I don't know how it could have happened. The first year, I drove Will and his family's van up here. The second year, I drove my. I rode with. Wait, hold on. I don't remember any of this because <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm like, I remember I, I, the first year I came back with Will's mom yeah. and in her truck. I remember that. Uh, but this, how did I get back the year after that? Because I, I only brought my car here once, and I never Astral took it projection. back. I mean, I don't, how the hell did? How many drugs did I do? Well, right? Yeah. I I don't know, and uh, I don't remember allegedly. Right. And I don't, I don't remember any of that. Now, now I'm really surprised because I, that first year, uh, Will and his family stayed an additional time. They stayed until the fireworks festival because yeah. they were told that you know more people were coming in and they could make more money and they went canoeing and stuff like that around yeah. here with um, Jessica and some other people. It was a lot of fun, right? Well, I, it looked like it was a lot of fun. I had already gone back to Mississippi because I had to go back to work. But anyway, I remember that ride back with his mom. And the the following year, I don't know how the hell I got back. I I would have said the following year, I thought he moved here. Mm-hmm. And but then how did I get back? Because I don't I don't remember any. I of this, have no man. idea. Are you? I don't you, either, dude. Like, <laughs> I would ask you these questions if they came up. But if you don't know, then uh, I guess it's lost forever. And I realize we're probably harping on this quite a bit, but like it legit. I've come here <laughs> seven years in a row, and I remember like three of them. <laughs> And it's not because of drugs or anything like that. It's just, I don't know why. And it's it's confusing and it's perplexing and it's a little bit concerning. But in my defense, yeah. it's been a weird two and a half years, two years and three months. And yeah. I've had a lot on my mind. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember from the last two I'm, years. They've I'm been really, kind of a blur. I'm really glad that you're here now to be able to do this. I, I know the, the impending, you know, I'm sitting right next to the ticking clock here. The doomsday clock. The doomsday clock of Aria goes to prison in 10 days, 22 hours, 30 minutes, and 39 seconds. Uh, as of this recording, but I'm glad you're here to do this. Thank you. I'm because, glad to be here. Uh, you know, it's sort of been the tradition, at least since I've been here, that we come to Forkfest and Porkfest, and here you are, and we get to do this this show yep. and all that kind of stuff. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you. And I like being here. It it is still bittersweet. For it's bittersweet for many reasons, but one of those again is because Ian's not here. Well, and also too, like from the selfish perspective, outside of like it's important for you to be talking because you're the one going to prison. Right. And telling your story. But outside of that, for myself, like I'd have had to learn a whole bunch of stuff about how to like do the show to maybe make one go on. And, you know, I don't know that, you know, am I capable? Probably. But like you've saved me a lot of work. So thank you. Yeah. I mean, we probably wouldn't have bothered. I didn't. I, I, I wasn't sure about bothering this year because like it's not what it used to be. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure 
how much work it's worth doing for yeah. the festival. Like, it's important to be here yeah. and to like do stuff, but as far as doing the show here every day, that's that's less important to me because when you look around, especially once Pork Fest is going, there, every other campsite is a podcast, right. right? And the only way that we really stand out from any of those is because we're also a radio show. Right. We happen to be a really big radio show on like 200 radios, close to 200. It's like 180 at this point, 185, I think. Yeah. But... You, it's libertarians. You can't throw a rock without hitting a libertarian who has a podcast. And we're not putting on the best expo here, the best podcast here, right? When it, it, It's a little better this year than it was last year because I put a little bit more thought and work into it this year about where I wanted everything and how I wanted things. But yeah. we had discussed last year raising the stakes, right? Sure, yeah. I remember uh, you, me, and Mark talking about that. Right, because we got this space. Mark's got plenty of money. It doesn't matter. He's frugal. He's, it's very strange, but he's willing to spend money in bizarre ways, like with building the mobile studio and stuff like that. That, like, okay, I don't know why you spent 80 grand on this, but okay. But so we talked about the possibility of like raising our presence here, which probably would have been good. And, but as time went on, it became less and less important to me. Yeah. And obviously, this was for many reasons, but the main one was just that I'm not sure. It would achieve anything, right? The the real hangout right now for Free Talk Live, it's not it's not anything in person or anything like that. It's just that we have to we have to put more into the internet part of it than we, than we really have been. And Free yeah. Talk Live has been a podcast for since podcast began, right? But our social media presence, in particular has to be changed. And this is something that Bonnie and I have actively been working on. It is improving, by the way, recently. Oh, it's it's significantly better than it's ever been. Like now Free Talk Live will actually like your stuff and share your stuff and comment. And Free Talk Live posts are getting likes and shares and like... Mark was under the impression that we we needed to hire we need to hire somebody to come manage our social media blah 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 and like Mark the problem here he, Mark wants us to have more tools we need more tools we and need to like, hire programmers to come in and make new things for us to use when I'm, I'm all for tools but you have to have a, an express explicit purpose before you go get the tools what well, the problem right here is that like we already have countless tools that we're not using yes right you want to hire someone to program this thing for you to increase our internet presence when you could just have me tweeting for you for free right Right. how about instead of doing any of that you let me and bonnie and whoever else wants to nikki and some others just start posting stuff to social media and we'll see how that goes and in the few months that it's been going on it's substantially improved we've lost a lot of followers sure but we lost a lot of followers when free talk live brought me on and when they brought Bonnie on, yeah. and when they brought Rich, this is how things go. And the the trolls in the Matrix chat that you know have have a hard on for Mark. I don't know if I can say that. Well, I said it, and I'm not going to. But the trolls in the Matrix chat, they they think Free Talk Live is like going downhill because it's it's no longer dominated by conservative libertarians, and it's more dominated by more liberal libertarians now. Is that true though? It I is. Mean, like, it's definitely true. Like, how do we measure our listenership in that way? No, like, it's not. It's the hosts that we're measuring, not the listeners. It's the hosts, right? The hosts oh, are more liberal okay. now. Where really? Am I more liberal? Am I more? Cons- I, I don't know. So, I mean, we like Mark isn't on the show very often, mm-hmm. and Conan, of course, quit the show, and they, they were our more conservative voices. Okay. And Mark is still on the show a lot, obviously, but instead of Mark, you have more Aria and more Bonnie and Nikki, and none of us are leftists, right? The, the, 
people on the right say I'm a leftist, but people on the left call me a yeah. Nazi. So I, I get the opposite of that. I get people on the left wanting to identify with me, and then people on the right also wanting to identify with me. And okay. I'm like, that's so weird because yeah. usually there's like an opposition. It's like the lefties are going to be like, that guy's so far right. And the righties are going to be like, that guy's so far left. But that's not the case. And I'm like, that's weird. That is weird because I get like, exactly the opposite, right? Like, like, and like I, I know that I come like my upbringing. I, I have several families, but like more of the families were sort of conservative Christian than weren't. Okay. And so that's like sort of the basis of my childhood. But then, you know, I left home and I wandered the earth like came from Kung Fu and I learned a bunch of stuff. And then I ended up in lefty paradise, Seattle, Washington, right. for 20 years. And so, like, did that have an influence on me? Absolutely. But I think I think that's what made me anarchist philosophically was experiencing both the far right and the far left. Right. Over a different period of my time. And then when it came time to examine it, I was like, I'm neither of those. OK. Yeah. You know, I, I, I and I'm not a centrist either because people are like, well, you're just in the middle like most people. Most people, I think, are in the middle of left. And well, then right. they need to read their Bibles. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, because the middle sucks. Yeah. I don't think most people are in the middle. I don't think centrism is a thing. I think that uh, they're confusing not wanting to participate in a system of violence with being in the middle politically. Right. I I tend to be more toward anarchists, obviously, but I think I actually have a lot of my upbringing to thank for that because, uh, like, my mother was not a good parent. Neither was my father. They were both terrible parents, drug addicts, you know, abusive. They weren't abusive toward me or each other, but my mom kept dating abusive men. And to my father's credit, he never beat my mother, never, never raised a hand to her. But a lot of drugs, a lot of just terrible parenting in general. But... One of the earliest memories I have that deals with the government in any capacity was when my mother had taken us and we lived out in this house in the middle of nowhere and this sheriff came up to take us, take my sister and I away from our mother yeah. and make us go live with our grandmother. This is not, I didn't want this. Right. My sister didn't want this. Our mom didn't want this. So who was this other entity right. that was in charge of me that could, yeah. that could tell my actual mother, no. You don't get to make the decisions right. here. And that, I think, predisposed me to question authority because yeah. that made me ask, what gives them the right to take me to take this crying child out of their mother's arms yeah. and send them elsewhere? What the hell gives them the right to do that? Yeah, I had a similar experience uh, as a child where uh, my sister and I literally ran away from home. Right. Because the abuse was horrific. Uh, Sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not wallowing in it or anything like that. It's right. just a thing that happened. But we knew at the time as children that what was going on was wrong, so much okay. so that we wanted to leave the situation. And, uh, and so my sister, who's three years older than me, uh, she was like, come on, we're getting out of here, right? And she grabbed me by the hand, and we left, and we just you started walking. We're in a residential neighborhood. I don't know how far we walked. We ended up at some people's house. We knocked on a door. They took us in. Right? They listened to our story. They fed us dinner, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh, and then they called the cops, right? Because what else are you going to do? Some random kids show up running away from home, claiming abuse, yeah. right? What are they going to do, right? And we had no idea that this was going to happen. We just knew that we needed to get the F out of that situation. Yeah. And so they call the cops, and the cops take us down to the police station. And this is small-town Wisconsin stuff. So, like, there wasn't anything that I recall overtly frightening other than, like, you know, they got to buzz you in through the right door and you can't get out if you wanted to go anyway kind of a That's thing. a terrible feeling, though, man. But here's what happened. <laughs> Especially for claustrophobic. The cops, of course, call the, the parental units 
and the Naturally. parental units come down and they chat about who knows what. Oh, and, the, and they assure the cops that, oh, no, everything's fine. We, there's no abuse. Cops sent us right back into the abusive situation. God, man. Didn't do a damn thing. Similar stuff with me later on, like when my mother kidn- effectively kidnapped my sister and I. She was dating a, an abusive alcoholic who just beat the hell out of her. And on two occasions, it was so loud and so severe that the neighbors called the police. And on neither of those occasions did the police do anything. Right. And after, you know, a month of dealing with this, of hearing my mother choking and saying that she couldn't breathe and just being having the crap beaten out of her, I went to the kitchen and I got two knives out of the kitchen drawer and shouted, Mom, I got a knife. Like, I was going to go stab this dude, right? Yeah. Me, little second grade Aria. Yeah, you're trying to defend your mom. Yeah, terrible idea, right? And I realized this very, very quickly that, you know, no, and, and no, I put the knives back and I went and just laid and cried on the couch for yeah. the rest of the night. But, like, that was when I knew that... The, the police weren't coming. The government wasn't coming. No, no one was coming. No help was coming. Yeah. I was on my own. And that was a terrible experience. But in hindsight, something like that provides valuable life experience. It like does, yeah. Knowing that I was on my own, that this is a problem that I can't solve. And as a second grader, there's nothing I can do to solve that problem. But I, I guess that in itself is its own interesting life lesson that there are some things you just can't change, right? Well, and I think, too, when it comes to libertarianism, voluntarism, anarchy, whatever the words are we're using to describe people who are of a, a mind of freedom, uh, folks who realize that the state is an organization of evil, um, I think that many of them come to the philosophies of freedom after they've experienced some sort of attack by the state. And so for most folks, that doesn't happen until like later in life, right? There's a whole bunch of folks who grow up, right? They rarely interact with the government outside of like, oh, I got to pay my taxes or, oh, I got a speeding ticket or a parking ticket, that kind of thing. Those are their, their interactions. And a lot of people are limited to those interactions only for a long period of time. Until they got to do something like, you know, I don't know, buy a house or pay some taxes or, you know, there's some eminent domain thing, some other attack from the state wakes them up and go and makes them go, wait a minute, what, where did they get the right to do this? How come they're able to do this? How come, you know, I thought that the government was X. It was here to protect us and defend us and prevent, you know, people from taking our stuff and, you know, damaging other people. And they, they don't realize that that is not the case until the state attacks them. And I think that, you know, if you and I have a similarity, it's that we learn that as a child. Sounds like it. Now, I didn't, like, internalize it as a child. No, certainly not. I didn't, I didn't either. I didn't go, well, I hate the state now, right, when I was five or whatever, however no, old I, I was. I resisted authority, and I questioned authority, and I suspect you did as well. Ever since that time. Yeah. Because I knew, I, I, was, I was upset that these people who, you know, even at that young age, I, I had believed were the people who were supposed to help. Yep. And they didn't. Yeah. And they don't. So, interesting ways to become libertarians. I mean, it sucks, but this is why I don't necessarily look at you know my childhood experience as negative. Or I mean, sure, there was plenty of negative stuff. Oh, mine was totally negative. Yeah, but on the whole, like I am who I am today because of those experiences and uh, all of that abuse that my mother endured. It ultimately led to some positive things, right? Like I hate domestic violence right yeah and that's in and of itself that's not unusual we should hate domestic violence you should get angry anytime someone introduces violence to their relationship non-consensual violence to their relationship 
But for me, if I have a trigger, it's pretty close to that. Like one time I was delivering pizzas and I to some apartment and the in the next door apartment, this husband and wife were just banging and yelling and crap at each other and just couldn't take it. Knocked on doors like, hey, I don't know what's going on here. Don't care. Yeah. Calm down. Little things like that. Yeah. That, I think, is a positive development. Something like that where one can... I'm not a domestic violence advocate, right? Or advocate against domestic violence or whatever. <laughs> like you advocate right. for domestic violence? But, That's weird. And due to those experiences, I've also never really had any major drug problems, right? I've seen what drug addicts do, and I've seen how these people become yeah, drug I'm, addicts. I'm actually surprised that, well, I'm alive, really. Like Based on, on my past as a child... The things that have happened to me don't happen uh, to people, and then they become well-adjusted individuals as right. adults, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's not very frequent that those things occur. Uh, I could have ended up in prison. I could have ended up a junkie. I could have ended up both, right? Uh, and I didn't. And why, I, don't, I can't really tell you. I can't put my finger on you know, what prevented that. I did plenty of drugs. I was a rebellious youth, right? You know, all, all of those things that happen you know, to children of abuse happened. But for whatever reason, I escaped the worst of it. Well, congrats right? on that. And, and I'm, I'm glad for that. And if anything, the reason, one of the many reasons that I do stuff like Free Talk Live is so that other people don't have to experience that. Like I'm, right. I'm attempting to share my experiences with the world so that you can learn from somebody else's past without having to go through it yourself. That would be, that, that would be ideal, right? I mean, because I never really give any thought why to why. I talk why like before yeah. I was doing free talk live I was making videos I started my own podcast called rantings and ravings like way back when I lived in Mississippi I've always interested in creating some sort of content mm -hmm. and I don't know why like what am I trying to accomplish here I honestly don't know but that that would be a good goal right is preventing someone from having to make the mistakes I made or in my case I think Telling them, that, like, there's hope. It, it will change. It doesn't matter what it's like for you right now. You know, give us some time. It yeah. will change. Things will get better. Or even that it's possible. Like, the situation that you're in right now might be just heinous and unbearable and all that kind of thing. But it is possible for you to get out of that situation. Yeah. It is possible for you to outgrow that situation. And you touched on something a little bit earlier, too. Uh, consent, right? Uh, as a child... Consent is sort of innate. You understand it. You're like, I didn't give you permission to do that. You know, why are you doing this? You're wronging me, right? It's understood fundamentally as a child. Uh, and then people sort of, they seem to outgrow that. They seem to forget what consent is. But if you just take the word consent, and I know the left is real big on consent, right? That's one of their, they, they're like, oh, blah, blah, blah. When it comes to. With everything except the government, they're big on it, yeah. Right, yeah. When it comes to, you know, sicking the government on people or making laws for other people, they're real big on the word consent. Well, if they take that and just apply it logically to every area of their life, you realize that the state, that is the organization commonly known as government, exists in violation of consent. Yeah. And, you know, I would point out to them that I don't consent to it and they go, well, blah, 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 blah. blah. But no, let put that I don't consent to being ruled by the U.S. government. Right. Or and, anybody for that matter. I'm perfectly capable right. of ruling myself. But only the U.S. government claims to have the authority to rule over me. And they're like, well, yes, but you live in a society. No. I, I was born here. Society lives around me. Right. Right. A society is something that you choose 
to join. Right. What, what we have here isn't a society. It's being press ganged. This, you people press ganged me into joining service on your ship and then said, if I disobey your captain, I'm going to be put in the brig. And then because I did disobey no other crime, but I disobeyed the captain, I'm going to the brig in 10 days. I got press ganged into this. I didn't choose to join this. I didn't go, man, that ship looks great. Let me join it. Like right. I did with the Shire Society or Free Talk Live. Right. Those are actual, well, Free Talk Live is not a society, but Shire Society is an actual society society is something that has these characteristics and you look at it and you say i want to join that yeah if what is there's nothing people like to say we live in a society or whatever what exactly is good about this situation where you press gank people into joining where you don't give them a choice where you say join our society obey us or die and that's ultimately the line that they're they're drawing absolutely they and have all of these obfuscations around it, but the reality is that if the police tell you to do something and you don't do it, they will use any force necessary to make you to obey up to and including killing you. Yeah, and then there's people who are like, well, if you don't like it, why don't you leave? It's like, okay, well, let's apply that analogy, right? Uh, you've been press-ganged onto a, onto a pirate ship, right? Uh, do you think the captain of that pirate ship, you know, the guy with the hook or whatever, he's going to be like, ah, if you don't like this ship, I'll let you join another ship. Well, you're out in the ocean. And here, there's nowhere you can go that isn't claimed by one government or another. Boom. It's not like you can just go. There's more coming up here from Fort Fest. It is Free Talk Live. Because we are, we just wrapped up a wedding, if you're listening to this, and it was probably beautiful and a lot of fun, and I don't think I used the candles to set anything accidentally on fire. I believe the pavilion is still standing. Wait, wait, there's candles involved? There are candles involved. It's a candle lighting, <laughs> it's a hand binding slash candle lighting ceremony, Okay. Right? which... I, I knew what a hand binding ceremony was, right? And it's a type of is wedding that, where is they... Is that like when you when you try to do the... Uh, what, do, what do they call it? When you, you're trying to race with another person and they tie sort both of your legs together and put it in like a burlap sack? Sort of, except they don't race, yeah. Oh, okay. And it's their hands instead. I, I think it's an Irish... Uh, I think it's an Irish tradition thing. Yeah. I don't remember. Someone does it, though, and you know they you clasp hands and they bind them together, whereas Americans customarily... Kiss. Oh, God, that bug. We are at Roger's campground, obviously. (laughs) There are insects at the campground. It is true. The good news is I killed that one. He was biting the top of my foot, man, and that is like one of the worst places to get bitten by anything. I don't know how it happened, but somehow I have a bug bite on the top of my bald skull. But it doesn't itch, at least not yet. And so now it's, it's just a bump. It's almost as if like I had bumped my head and didn't know about it. I don't want to suggest that bugs are really a problem. That's the first time I've been bitten, and I've been out here all day. Yeah. So, I mean, bugs aren't, and you have one bite on you. Bugs aren't, they're here. We are at a campground. We are in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. And keep in mind, bring a hoodie. I think the first year I came to Forkfest, I neglected to bring a hoodie. And yeah. I regretted that. Yeah. Because I'm like, it's, I don't think it's been down to like 30 in the last few years, but it can get down into the 30s. It can get pretty cold here. 
And even now, during the day, it's only like 73, 74 degrees in the middle of June. This whole winter, and I mean, this whole summer in New Hampshire has been relatively cool. It's been very weird, very perplexing. So far, yeah. We had that one like week where we had a couple of 90-degree days. Yeah, God, that was brutal. And I was thinking then, I'm like, oh, summer's going to be brutal. And then it wasn't. Nope. At least so far. Two years ago, I think it was, or maybe it was last year. We still got to do August, so, you know, August is generally the brutal month. I bought, I, I got so tired, like, like this was early, in like June, I got so hot and so sick of it that I went to a hardware store and bought an 18,000 BTU air conditioner Ooh. to throw in my house. That'll do it, though. Yeah. And, oh, it's banned. It, it rocks. Do it. Yeah, it's when I, gorgeous. The one I that love I bought, that AC. The one that I bought for my, my uh, we'll call it my apartment. It's like 800 square feet or something, right? Uh, 14,000 BTU, and it and it completely takes care of the whole place. So, yeah, uh, if you can get over 10,000 BTUs on your air conditioner, that's going to do the trick. It was between a 15,000 one and this 18,000 one. It may even be a 20,000 BTU. I don't remember now. Either way. But, yeah, anything yeah. over 10,000 is going to do the trick. But it was like $700, but it was so worth it. Yeah. And... It, that was in early June. Mm-hmm. It was just so hot. I ha- I bought air conditioners for almost every room of the house. Then I put one in the upstairs bathroom where I never put a bathroom. Yeah. The, one of the bedrooms in my house just had no one in it. I still opened that up, threw an air conditioner in there, <laughs> and turned it on and kept that door open because it was hot. Yeah. It was unbelievably hot. And this year, like I, I barely turned the air conditioners on. And it's June the like I go out at night to play with my dog and I grab a hoodie still like yeah. in Keene where not up here in the White Mountains it was actually warmer last night yeah. than I would have expected but still it's grabbing a hoodie to go play fetch with her here in June and I look ask my sister I was like hey what's the weather like down there in Mississippi she's like I'm dying it's 97 degrees or whatever I'm like man that sucks our summer is <laughs> actually pretty pretty mild and nice and I actually kind of like it yeah. It's certainly uh, good for camping weather. It's good for a gathering of freedom-minded individuals. It is, and that is what's happening here at the here at Rogers Campground. It is Fork Fest right now, which means that this is the decentralized alternative to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. It's not an alternative anymore, and we should probably retire that particular terminology. It's more the the decentralized uh, pre funk. Yeah, it it was the pre-party, and then it was the after-party, and yeah. now it's the pre-party again. But it it's never really been, only one year I think it was the alternative, right? right? Yeah. Where like the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and this was such a weird thing when Dennis Pratt was on. He he kept saying that Pork Fest used to be something that just happened at the bottom of the hill, and now it's Pork Fest is the entire campground. And that's the opposite of how it's actually played out. Pork Fest used to be the entire campground. Like you used to have to pass pork rangers and show them your bracelet and stuff to get into the campground. Yeah. And you couldn't rent a campground from Rogers. You had to get it through the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And they rented the entire campground out. And there would be pork rangers riding golf carts all up and down the place. It was disgusting. They they were tyrants. Yeah. They would yell at people for having something out in the road, like like Osria's leash. If it was partial in the road, they would stop and yell, berate you for that. It was they were they were tyrants. The pork rangers were the one of the years. The so last year was the pork fest pre party. I remember walking around with uh, Ian talking to. 
Who was it? I don't remember who we were talking about. Ian and I had just walked around the entire campsite, and I went back to the hotel room to uh, get something. Mm-hmm. And while I was there, I think was I outside smoking? I don't remember what I was doing. But I heard the head pork ranger then complaining over her radio or on her cell phone to someone about how she wanted to do something, but she didn't have jurisdiction because this wasn't pork fest yet. It was still fork fest. And like, Oh wow. That's how pork fest jumped the shark, man. They, they were crazy. Yeah. They were at one point they searched people's vehicles looking for Christopher Cantwell. And that was the, I, I knew by then that pork fest was already crazy, but that was like the, the nail in the coffin. And then, all during Fork Fest, everything was fine. Everyone got along just great. But immediately, the night before Pork Fest, there were the golf carts everywhere, riding all up and down the streets. I'm trying to walk here. I can't because there's a golf cart parked in the middle of the street because some pork ranger decided to stop and talk to someone. It was that sort of entitled, yeah. unnecessary behavior. And that was throughout the entire campground. So when Dennis says that Pork Fest used to be something that happened at the bottom of the hill, no. Porkfest was the entire campground, and you couldn't get in unless you had. I don't remember exactly how it works out, but yeah. it was the whole thing. You can't get in unless you've paid. And since then, they decentralized. Like all of the vendor spots had to be reserved through the Porcupine Freedom Festival, through the Free State Project. And that created this huge mess where the fees were too high and then they were very controlling. So yeah. all of the vendors closed down shop and they moved several rows over to get off of Agora Valley where Porkfest was tyrannical and they started just doing their own thing. Sure. And ultimately they realized that their fees and their tyrannical behavior wasn't working. So they were just going to let the vendors sort it out for themselves. And they decided that in general, they were just going to let people sort out their the campgrounds themselves and Porkfest since then has been something that happens at the bottom of the hill. And we said this, uh, I want to say it was three years ago, that Fork Fest was the entire campground because yeah. we claimed it. And Pork Fest, the Porcupine Freedom Festival, was something that happened down there at the bottom of the hill. That's yeah. with the pavilions. And you do have to have your wristband to get into the pavilion, but not to the rest of the campground. In theory, if you're here, you should have a Porcupine Freedom Festival ticket. Not exactly sure how all of that works, right? And that's been part of a dispute between Dennis and I from like two years ago when he accused us of being like drunken teenagers telling people to sneak in or something. (laughs) It was all very, very bizarre, but... Porkfest has changed a lot, and it's worth attending. If you got sick of the tyranny that you were seeing, you know, five years ago, it's changed. It has. Give, yeah, give it another true. shot, and I promise you, you will you will see the difference. You you don't have to check in with security as you enter the the campground anymore. You don't have to worry about a pork ranger running you yeah. over in their golf cart. And you know, to the extent that. The Porcupine Freedom Festival is 20 years now, right? It has grown. Yeah. Right. And by grown, I mean matured, not just like, oh, there's more people that come now. No, I'm not even talking about that kind of growth. I'm talking about the people that have been coming for 20 years. Not only have they grown, but the attitude of the entire festival has grown because, you know, there are more and more people moving to New Hampshire, more and more people coming to the philosophies of freedom and individuality and voluntarism than ever before. And so with that, of course, a festival is going to mature over 20 years. Why wouldn't it? 
The only thing I'm not completely sold on is why why does the Free State Project get pork fest anyway, right? I'm not a big fan of intellectual property and all of that stuff, but like, why did the institutional organization get to claim and run pork fest? To my mind, in hindsight, we should have just always called Fork Fest the Porcupine Freedom Festival mm. because the Porcupine Freedom Festival predates. The Free State Project, right? Does it? I'm pretty sure it does, mm. but it it was happening here at least before they had picked a place to move, right? There were it was the very first year it was just some libertarians hanging out here, and then the next year they did it again, and there were more libertarians, and then the next year there were even more, and at some point, the Free State Project incorporated and decided that it was going to start running huh. the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and it and it grew. And no doubt the Free yeah. State Project did a great job with it, but their power also grew. Yeah. And as such, you know, a lot of people became intoxicated with the power. And I've seen this with a few different organizers. As far as I can tell, Carla's the only person who I've seen who organized the Porcupine Freedom Festival that that never did anything that anyone said was tyrannical, right? And I mean obviously we're libertarians. So every libertarian out there says every other libertarian is not a real libertarian. That's yeah. not what I mean, right? I mean that every orga- other organizer has been at the helm when something very controversial was done that could be fairly described as authoritarian sure, or yeah. authoritative, rather. Yeah. Like when the Paxtons were in charge, Ian got banned. And while they were just doing that on behalf of the Free State Project board or whatever, they were the ones who did it if this was my first year, so I'm hazy on all yeah, of this. Yeah. But I do remember the the Paxons were in charge that year, and the, you know they were the ones who organized it. And then Carla Garrett took it over, and I don't remember anything like that happening. Yeah. And she did it, I think, two years in a row, and then Dennis Pratt took over. And for a few years, I don't recall anyone having any major issue. This is his third year. Last year was supposed to be his last year, but they couldn't find anyone to do it this year or Whyever he chose to do it, now he's doing it again this year. Okay. And this year, of course, there have been countless controversies around the Free State Project. I mean, around the Porcupine Freedom Festival. More than I've ever seen. A lot of them unnecessary. And again, I want to reiterate that I don't think banning the anyone is the way to go. I don't think boycotting the festival is the way to go. I think if you don't want to go see uh, Robert F. Kennedy... Which I'm right there with you. I don't want to go see him either. I'm not going to go. I've heard a lot of people say, well, yeah, but given he's got two family members who were assassinated by the deep state. Look, man, um, that, that's like suggesting that because I'm going to prison, you should ask my uncle what he has to say, right? right. Like yeah. being related to me doesn't give him any any insight into anything. It's so weird that everybody jumps to that, right? right. Because they were JFK and the conspiracy and all that kind of stuff. But like uh, he had nothing to do with any of that. Yep. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, but it was his uncle or whatever. Yeah, but he doesn't have any. They're like, but he thinks it was a conspiracy. So, But he doesn't know anything more about it than we do. Right. <laughs> so, like, it's meaningless to me. And I get it. You know, it's a good. Just like Jeb Bush or George W. Bush, they had the claim to fame of their father being president. That's all it is to me is he's popular because he had. But if you don't want to go see him, don't boycott the Porcupine Freedom Festival. If you don't want to go to the gun free zone, don't boycott the Porcupine Freedom Freedom Festival. Right. Come to the Porcupine Freedom Festival and then stand here giving him the finger finger yeah. from up here at the hill because you refuse to comply with his demands. I don't know if there's anything official, but I do expect some some protest to really? occur. 
Yeah. Uh, I've heard tell of people who, who don't agree with the uh, the disarming of people in order to go see this particular politician speak. And so they're going to stand outside near as they can get and protest, maybe hold a sign or something. Okay. Uh, I don't know if there's anything official, but that's just what I heard. Well, libertarians will do that, right? And and I like I'm looking forward I to covering that. that. If that doesn't happen, I will be disappointed with you know pork pork fest in general. <laughs> if there isn't somebody out there like you know protesting the gun free zone in order to hear a freaking politician lie to us, then I will be disappointed. I suspect there will be people protesting. I don't know how I. I mean, as long as they're not disruptive, I yeah. guess it's fine. Um, well, obviously, I have no control over it anyway. So if they're disruptive, that's got nothing to do with me. Right. But I would rather people protest peacefully and yeah. not be disruptive. But make yourselves known. And I think ignore the guy. Make it clear that you're not listening, that you don't care what he has to say, and that he's just some politician who's here and no one really cares. There is one politician here who I would be interested in. I say there's one politician here. If you Google me, it pops up that I'm a politician. Posit, right, yeah. So I mean, because you ran for something, right. yeah. So keeping that in perspective, that most of the libertarians that actually live in New Hampshire here are quote unquote politicians. Sure. When I say politician, you know what I mean, though. I, I don't mean people like me or Ian yeah. or uh, talking about whoever. career politicians, right? People who yes, do this for you. their job. There is one among them who I actually would like to have on Free Talk Live, and that's Tulsi Gabbard. And that's one to make Mark happy. Mark, Mark likes Tulsi Gabbard. I'm pretty sure he would like some risque pictures of Tulsi Gabbard. However, I... Then uh, if that's true, then perhaps Mark should uh, invite her and come here and interview her. Well, you would think that Mark would come here in order to say, I'm not sure it's official that she's going to be here, and I haven't actually looked. But I know there was rumors that she was going to come. But anyway, the only reason I'm interested in talking to her, she's a liar, just like all the others, and she's going to change her positions, just like all the others. She's going to do whatever is politically expedient. However, she is anti-war, and she has consistently been anti-war. And I want to ask her on the air... If she would pardon, she also did say, if I recall correctly, that she would pardon Ross Ulbricht. Ooh. I I think she did. Someone asked her that, and I want to say she answered yes, but I may be wrong. Anyway, I want to ask her that, and I would like to talk to her about her anti-war positions and things like that. I would talk to her. I I wouldn't have as much of a, I'm going to say problem. I don't have a problem with uh, somebody, you know, inviting a politician du jour to come and speak, and if people want to go see him, it's it's their choice. I don't have a problem with really any of that. Uh, What I do have a problem with is that it seems like uh, it's going to be a one-way, it's going to be a speech, and that any questions that are asked uh, are not going to be live. They're going to have that, like they put up a thing, like, what questions would you like to ask Mr. RF? Really? Yeah, I saw that on the social media, and people were submitting questions. No and way. So, so the questions that are going to be asked of this guy are going to be canned and pre-approved by not only whoever put up the poll, but, you know, I'm sure RFK's staff as well and his campaign manager. And, you know, it's got to go through all those channels. So, uh, Oh, that's the, gross. The, the questions, near as I can tell, unless something changes and this isn't playing out uh, the way I expect it to, uh, it's a one-way conversation with some canned questions at the end. And, I, you know, I would much prefer, if you're a politician and you want to find out what the Porcupine Freedom Festival or Fork Fest is all about, uh, you, you just show up. 
Yep. You just show up and like, okay, bring your armed security. We don't care because guess no, what? Not at all. We're all our own armed security as well. So you'd fit right in. You know, maybe we'd have a talk about, hey, why do you use that gun? Why do I use this gun? You know, that kind of a stuff. Hang out with us. Be part of the festival. Don't don't come here and preach to us, right? Because we know more about freedom than you do. What I would like to see, and now that I think about it, I mean, obviously, uh, RFK is going to take some limo or something directly down there to the pavilion. He's not going to walk there from up here. You know, he's, he's going to get driven down there. He's, he's got people for that. And he's going to get out, and he's going to go into the pavilion and do his little speech. I would love, while they drive down Agora Valley here, for on both sides of the roads, just to be libertarians armed, just standing there. Waiting backs to him, right? That'd be nice. Like as he just drives by, like because you're going to drive by a lot of armed libertarians yeah. to get to the pavilion anyway. So what if they put on a show? Yeah, and they're like, "Hey, man, you're on our territory now." Yeah. I bet he would just keep going. He he would hit that circle and he would just keep going. That would be my guess because it that would be intimidating if you weren't a libertarian like me. I would never feel safer. At, yeah. the, at James Babb's party a few years ago that the Reformed Satanic Church sponsored. Like, yeah. there were all sorts of, you know, they called them boogaloo boys. They were all over the place. And, like, I had never been safer than I was right then. Everyone there was armed. Everyone knew how to use their arms. And everything yep. was totally fine. But I'm a libertarian, so I expect that sort of thing. But a career politician? Another one I'm not interested in is Vivek. And this is because a lot I know of, nothing about that guy. The only reason I've heard that name is because of the, you know, we'll call it the drama around the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year. That's all I know about it, too, other than what he said on Twitter. He wants to start a hot war with the Mexican drug cartels. Like, no. This is nuts, right? And there are oh people who call themselves libertarians making apologies for this, saying, well, have you listened to what he really has to say? No. He, he explicitly said he wants to make war with the drug cartels. I'm not going to hear him out beyond that. I don't give my ear to warmongers, and I don't think any libertarian should. The moment they say they want to initiate a war is the moment the libertarians should stop listening. Right, yeah. Not hear them out. Yeah. And, like, the mess that people, society, is in because of statism is not going to be remedied by just electing the right guy. That's true. It's just we're too far gone from that. You're not going to find, even if you found somebody completely 100% principled and you were able to get them on a ticket and you were able to win the election, once they got in, they're not going to be able to present 100% according to their philosophies, their principles, because statism is the antithesis of principle. Yeah, there's this whole administrative state that uh, Jeffrey Tucker Tucker talked about last year of the Brownstone Institute. He'll be on, I'm sure, this year. He's on with us every year, so we'll catch him at some point and get him on. But he gave a speech last year about this administrative state and about how the president, you would expect the president to be in charge of it. But in reality, various laws passed by Congress basically give tenure to some of these bureaucrats. And the, right. the president can't just go in and fire the whole Department of Education or Homeland Security or whatever and then replace them with libertarians. He literally can't yeah. do that. So electing even Ron Paul as president isn't going to solve anything. You're not going to vote away in the administrative state that was not created by voting in the first place. Yeah. And it, it's silly to think that you could. And Vivek's going to be here. RFK is going to be here. My biggest concern with all of this, though, are the wide-eyed libertarians, not the ones here in New Hampshire. I, yeah. I suspect the ones here in New Hampshire don't really care about these guys. But the rest of them, the ones coming here from Michigan and Tennessee and whatever, yeah. 
they feel like, oh, the, the, the Libertarian Party is becoming legitimate. Big name politicians are coming to speak at our festival, and we're the big boys now without any actual. I, I, I would love to see a poll done on that, on that, on that, whatever, yeah. on that topic to find out which percentage of the libertarians who are happy about RFK and Vivek are not from New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, and because uh, in New Hampshire, we're used to the major parties like coming to us. The, the system has a way of taking people who oppose it, uh, figuring out how to get them caught up in the churn of statism, and then figuring out how to make them part of statism so that they mm. become part of the problem that they were originally trying to eradicate. People get a little taste of like either fame or power, right? Because politics provides both, yeah. right? They get a little taste of it and they're oh, I want more. Right. If you have any sort of psychopathic tendency, like it's it's just going to happen that the system will not take somebody of noble intent and allow them to remain noble. It's no. just not possible. And if they actually have noble intent and will remain noble, like to his credit, Ron Paul did. Lou Rockwell letters aside, which was something else I wanted to mention earlier. You mentioned that most people. They, they don't have an issue with the state because they never run afoul of the state. And this is something that Lou Rockwell wrote in one of his books. Oh, he's got a lot of problems, right? But he, he writes some good stuff. I've read some of his stuff. I, I enjoyed some of it. I think it was called The Rise of Fascism or something. He wrote exactly that, that the Americans allow their government to persist because they're in denial. They're allowed to be in denial about what it actually is because they never have to come face to face with the fascism of the American government. Almost no one gets pulled over on some back road at three o'clock in the morning and harassed and insulted and wrongfully arrested. That doesn't happen to very many people. And it happens rarely enough that most people don't get worked up about it. Yeah. Most people are like, that never happened to me, or you shouldn't have been doing something wrong, or whatever nonsense, until their kid is the one getting arrested for having some Xanax that his friend gave him or something. Yeah. And then, then they're opposed to fascism. But we are out of time for tonight, and I've got to go rehearse a wedding. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But we're here tonight, tomorrow night, coming out with us here at Fort Fest. We're here until June the 18th, and then the Porcupine Freedom Festival kicks off. So we'll see you then. It's Free Talk Live. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.